Nerds International proudly presents Coming at you live from the White Cliffs of Dover, it's me, Nick Lambslice. And me, Harrison Hunt, a.k.a. Belmont. And we are the Tabletop Twats. Yes. Woohoo. We're back. It's another proper episode. No awards ceremonies, no actual plays. We are back, baby. And we got a guest on the show once again because James is not here. So we got a replacement for him. It's the token Asian. It's Peter Beckett, everyone. Hello. And he is here because today we've got a bumper show for you. It is packed so full of stuff, it's unbelievable. Fit to burst. Exactly. We got the feedback. We got what you've been saying. We got the main subject, which today is going to be Batman. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Batman because we recently wrapped up a Batman campaign, so we're going to be talking about different ways to do Batman campaigns. We're going to be talking about how Peter did his Batman campaign and we're going to be talking about techniques for doing the best Batman campaign. Yeah. In it, lads. Got to have enough puns. Enough puns. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know about that. (laughs) We'll get on to that later. (laughs) And then we've got the Chamber of Challenges, we've got Adventure Calls and we've got Electro Letters followed by... The award-winning... All fancy... Pioneering... Outro, yeah. Oh my god, I can't wait, mate. <laughs> For the outro. <laughs> it's going to be amazing, man. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is you want to just get through the show just so you can do the outro. Yeah, yeah. well that's the best bit, isn't it? Because then we get to yeah. leave. Yeah, then we get to go home. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to be here. You know, we don't like doing this. Yeah. Um, all okay. right, so let's get on with the feedback. Woo! Yeah. The feedback side. The feedback side. The feedback side. The feedback side. So, feedback-wise, right, we haven't got any negative feedback, which is what I really like. Oh, that's I, a shame. No, yeah, you know, I love it. I feed off of negativity. I'm like a, I'm like a sadness vampire. You're like a negative magnet. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe I should have sent some just to, just to take the piss, really. I mean, you do give it, get, you do give enough, um, enough jip, don't you, Pete? I might do. Giving it the large. <laughs> Giving it large. Um, yeah, so Tim White comes in talking about our DCC actual play, The Foreign Beggars. He says, I really love the cinematic DCC actual plays. Truly entertaining. Thanks, Timmy. Should we really read these out? It seems a bit lame just reading people who's telling us. Yeah, ah, well, it's, it's nice to know we're doing something right for once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess so. <laughs> right, next we've got Con- uh, Conrad Erasmus Newbert. Uh, and again, talking about our um, DCC actual plays, The Foreign Beggars. And he says, ah, all this failing forward, the poor bastards. It's really cringy to listen to them being maimed and killed in gruesome ways over and over, just to come out not victorious. But again, only barely alive. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a hard old slog, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because so far, um, if, you, if you don't... I want to hear spoilers for foreign beggars oh, yeah. um, skip forward about 30 seconds uh-huh. so far one of them's had his leg burnt off the other one's been um, turned into half a fish man they've been killed uh, once yeah. and, then, and then revived only to be sent back to the beginning of a time loop yeah um it's pretty yeah it's pretty disgusting but it's, it's good it's good i'm enjoying it mm-hmm. it's pretty intense and i've been really enjoying listening through to it and well listening to you guys just suffer basically let's be honest much, yeah <laughs> i see you guys suffer pretty much week on yeah, a weekly basis true. in our group but yeah, well, this is to like a whole new level yeah, yeah. Mate. oh poor little grimmy and miney 
Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you guys are still alive. Me too, actually. Me, me through. <laughs> um, Manuel Sams comes in about the void concedus oh, awakening, which is one of our bonus contents. Yeah. He says, this was painful and funny at the same time. Cheers for suffering through this. I'm not sure I'm looking forward to part two. So this was, um, I found an old fantasy novel that one of my old uh, bosses from work wrote. And uh, I've been doing a, a reading of it. but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Farted out onto some paper. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've been doing a reading of that. So yeah, go and listen to that if you fancy it. Hey, <laughs> so, hey do you want to read Patrick Greenlaw's one? Yep, so, so he said, okay, this was bad. The writing, not your narration. It was so bad, it was funny. Kind of like a mystery science theatre 3000. Yeah, so he's also talking about Concedus Awakening. I, I would highly recommend you listen to that. I'm not saying that, look, oh my God, my content's amazing. But if you want to hear the worst fantasy book ever written, um, but good Christ, listen to that. Because, yeah, my boss wrote this book called The Void Concedus Awakening. Um, it, it's really, really good. And I'm going to do the second part coming soon because, uh, yeah, it's it, it really gets fucked up when they get to the forest. Oh, mate. Spoiler I, alert, uh, no bread in that world. Yeah, there's no bread <laughs> in that world. Yeah, because there was a point where my boss, he said to me, um, there was a problem that could be solved if they had some bread. I can't remember what it was, but I remember us all taking the piss out of his book at work. And we said to him, mate, if, you know, if they had some bread, this would be solved. So why don't they just go to the shop and buy some bread? And he went, there's no bread in this world. <laughs> no bread in this world, and there was also a bit where we said to him, um, why don't they just get a fucking horse and cart and go to the next town instead of walking everywhere? And he right, goes, there's yeah. no wheels. No wheels. Wheels weren't invented. What? Yeah, no wheels. Yeah, and yet they had airships. <laughs> it, it's like it's a way to pretty much, you know, try to explain a way out of a problem. It was, yeah, like, it, it, was it was a contradiction in terms in text. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was and wicked. then we got one last bit of feedback from Sean Richer. He says, your awards show is killing me. Well, literally? Yeah, we did. Well, that was not our intention, Sean. I apologise. I hope you're still alive. Rest in peace. <laughs> so rest in peace, Sean Richer. I hope you're all right. <laughs> if you are dead, Sorry. keep on listening from Beyond the Grave. Yeah, we love them. We love them celebrity ghosts. Anyway, that's it for feedback this episode. Um, keep it coming, guys. Even mm-hmm. if you got negative feedback, we love it. Uh, come, come at us, at man. Us. Yeah, yeah. We're, you know, we're always up for a fight. Let's be having you. Come on, come on, bring it, you piece of shit. <laughs> we're all adults here. We can take the criticism. I, I, can't. I can't. No, I can't. No, no I can't. I'm fragile. Yeah, me too. Very sensitive. But let's get on with what we've been playing. Woo! With what we've been slaying. <laughs> Oi! Yeah. What you slaying? So first up, uh, we've been playing a bit of Solomon Kane. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Our campaign, which I'd like to call Atonement, mm-hmm. right? So uh, to get um, the sort of introduction out of the way, what it is is you guys are. This is a uh, late 16th, early 17th century fantasy campaign where the um, gruesome things of the night, um, you know, the, your vampires, your mummies, the, those types of things. Mummy. <laughs> mummies. <laughs> started, your mother. Your, your mother. She's, <laughs> those things have started coming back, right? Yeah. And so God has resurrected some people from the dead to come and fight those. Mm-hmm. And those people come from, uh, he's resurrected them from hell and or, they've been given, or purgatory, and they've been given a chance at redemption by coming back to fight these things and those guys are you guys the players yes so in terms of characters we've got Nobby Suggins an executioner who um, only did it to get money 
but then he found that he quite liked the money, so he did it long after it was necessary. And he, and he quite liked the killing. <laughs> yeah. Then we got Christy Cleek, who is a um, Scottish cannibal who, st- who during a famine started up a clan of people who would go out into the woods and take people back to a cave and eat them. And again, did it long after it was necessary yeah. because he developed a taste for it. One of uh, Ryan's darkest characters, yes. I'd say. But then also we've... probably one of his best, I think. Oh, it's it is absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Then we've got Pete's character. My, my character is Alexandra Perrin, who is a um, a religious zealot who took on white and black magic and got sent to hell for it and extradited from the church. And then we've got Nick's character. Uh, my character is Balvazor von Bracken, and he is a from German descent, um, and he's a pagan witch hunter. Uh, worked under the witch finder general, um, but got sent to purgatory when he accidentally condemned an innocent to witchcraft. <coughs> Yes, and they were burnt alive, and right? And he was burnt alive, yeah. And then, as a punishment, you got burnt alive. Now, all the characters actually bear the scars of, of how they were how they were killed and sent to hell, so yep. you, you are glowing all over. Yeah, I look like Spawn with his mask off. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> we've got one more character as well, Roy. He's, um, He's a bandit. Yeah, um, exactly. I think, I think James said if, you, uh, if you've seen Godless, he's loosely based on the guy Roy from Godless, I believe. I can't yeah. say I've seen it, to be honest. Um, so yeah, then that's that's the final character. Mm-hmm. So imagine these guys tasked with trying to save people. <laughs> that's essentially what it is, and they're trying to redeem themselves and become good. And I think it's really fun because you you um, you almost have to have a character arc, don't you? I love it. And what I love about this is is it's like it's such an odd bunch of people that would never, under any circumstances, be in an adventuring party, apart from the fact that they've been resurrected and chosen mm. by God to do this, as well as far as we know. Um, and, and, and you've almost got yes, only fantastic. two um, conventional good guys on the team, yeah. in Alexandra and um, and Balthazar, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and realistically, those are the only two good guys, but... But even then, we're still in a moral grey area, really, aren't we? Exactly. Well, there's, yeah, there's underlying things because obviously, like my character, think knows that Christie's a psycho. Also, you know, you're a zealot, and that the mm. Balvazar's a, a witch hunter. So, yeah. you know, I mean, in the last episode, you saw sort of what I was capable of yeah. with the black magic, and it sort of made you freak out a little it bit. It did, yeah. Like, She's a witch. She's exactly. A witch. But, but then that being said, because we're together in this kind of crazy kind of circumstance, we've our characters kind of have to learn to look past it. I think. Yeah. And you were using black magic for good as well mm-hmm. that that's the thing is that is that yeah. originally alexandra learned black magic which is evil and got sent to hell for it um, evil in the eyes of god anyway but yeah. she was trying to use it for good so yeah. it's yeah. a really interesting campaign and mm-hmm. each time the way we're doing and leveling up is kind of you get an advance if you um with the way we put it is slaughter a prey and yeah. you get you have to track down monsters and um the evil dark things um kill them and every time you kill them you take their power and that's represented as an advance mm-hmm. yeah. and so this could take a long time it could take a short time it depends but each one of them is going to be bloody hard that's that's the way it is it's awesome it's like mission based and yeah. um, it's so cool like the last game we got to we had three potential missions we could go for we had yeah. one in Dover or two in we think in well we know at least one in France and the other that way yeah. um, and we thought right let's play it safe let's, let's start off at home and then we'll work over to France so we did our ting in Dover 
and mission successful I'm glad to announce and now we're looking at France but apparently yeah. we turns out we picked the hardest of the missions yes which we? was yeah it was a brain screw yeah so yeah, essentially, it was a mind melter yeah essentially what it was and I'll try and keep this brief but we're playing uh, Solomon Kane takes place in Savage World so the the two things that two notable things that happened is essentially first thing they do is they say to them, say to each other okay so they have this thing called the hunter's lamp which which essentially will, will kind of guide them to the area that they know where, where something dark is yeah. and all it does is essentially glow but it, once they're there it won't just keep telling them where mm-hmm. they need to go in the town so just they the general go, area just it? the yeah. general area mm-hmm. so they know they need to go to Dover mm-hmm. um, because they, it, it takes them there once they're there they need to investigate that town now they they get there and immediately Alexandra turns to Balthazar and says, "Okay, where do we start?" Balthazar says, um, "says says okay, we need to go to the church." That's Nick's character. <laughs> so they go out to the church and they see this old priest just just tending to some bushes, cutting some um, cutting some bushes and stuff like this. You know, tending to the gardens in the yeah. graveyard. Yeah. And immediately he sees Alexandra, who was who was had her head cut off for using black magic before when she was extradited from the ter- church. Right <laughs> now. <laughs> The thing is, is that he recognises her and immediately goes over and he's, he's like, excuse me, you there? And he's walking over. Don't I know you? Don't I know you? And, and Peter goes, um, I'm just going to stay here. Yeah. And he, he <laughs> says, I'm going to stay here and acts casual. Round the graves. Yeah. And then he just he just walks over and tries to grab her, try, like trying to grab her scarf, trying to look at her neck where the scar is. Yeah. And he goes, oh, but I've seen you. In all the papers, your head was cut off, but yet here you stand and, and with such strange company. And he looks around and sees yeah. him standing there with a seven foot executioner um, a witch hunter a guy with all this dry blood in his beard which actually wasn't from um, him eating people he just had some raw meat, meat for lunch. It in the pub oh, yeah. oh yeah yeah Christy Christy the cannibal yep. and he, he immediately turns down and starts to run towards the church screaming at which point Peter's character Alexander grabs him by the neck and tries to stop him and he's like okay calm down calm down and uh, oh, Ryan's character then goes right up into his face and goes do you know who I am yeah he goes do you know who Christy Cleek is and the guy um, does <laughs> yeah so I rolled rolled for um, like knowledge uh, on him and, and he, he knows he knows who he is so immediately he starts shitting himself mm-hmm. he's really scared and then uh, Ryan then rolls intimidate for Christy Cleek scores a 19 and then I, I give him um, a uh, well that was with a plus 2 so he rolled a 17 at a plus 2 because this guy knew who he was mm-hmm. and then he gets a plus 1 because Nobby Suggins is standing there with a great axe and is, is you know a gigantic yeah. executioner and a burlap sack on with, his head which he's called well he's called his weapon the breadwinner yeah yeah, and he's so so overall we, he gets a 20 on this guy so I, so I think well he's going to be utterly scared at this mm-hmm. point right he thinks he's going to die mm-hmm. So, I roll on the fear table, he gets a 20, he gets a heart attack straight away. It says you have to die in 2d6 two, two rounds oh unless, you get, unless you get healing, right? So, I roll, uh, he dies, he's going to die in 11 rounds unless he gets specialist healing. Luckily, Peter's character, Alexandra, is a healer and he goes, right, I'm going to try and heal him. I got this, boys. And then he tries to heal, gets a critical fail... <laughs> The guy dies immediately. <laughs> Starts spewing blood. He's spewing oh blood. He spews God. blood all over Alexandra's um, face. So she's got blood all over her face. And then they carry him into the church. And then Balthazar's like, can I say a few words? <laughs> I think he died peacefully. <laughs> I will deliver him on to God. And me- meanwhile, this guy's got a look on his face. Like he's, he's, he's like frozen. His final expression on his face is that, that expression that he had when he died. And it looks like he just died in the most abject horror that Absolute you've ever seen. Absolute horror, yeah. 
yeah, we, 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 we referred him to like a little petrified prune of fear. Like in the end, he was all balled yeah, up he, and like his face was all just contorted in fear. I don't know why someone stuck him on the altar though. That was, whose idea was that? That was Ryan. Ryan decided, Christy Cleek, the cannibal, decided to put him on the altar just on a little chair so that if anyone did come into the church, they would they would kind of think that... He just had art. Like, like double take for a second. <laughs> Like for a thing, oh, yeah, it was kind of silly. I mean, the thing is, is that um, it was that I think that was uh, that was absolutely brilliant um, because um, it was it was one of those moments that Savage Worlds is great at. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just one of those random fucking things. But then you did find out that the darkness that you were searching for in the town was this um, uh, this guy that apparently started a cult. It was like a cultist, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And um, for they were they were looking for immortality. Right, and then he, but then everyone, uh, then he poisoned a bunch of people and killed a bunch of people. Yeah. That's why the graveyard in the church was so massive uh-huh. and consisted a lot of, of a lot of families and stuff like this. Then you went uh, over to where the um, the old cult used to exist, and uh, then you were immediately teleported over to some weird house. Oh my yeah. god! And yeah. you, each of you were being continually punished mm-hmm. for the things that you did during your life. Yeah. And um, there was this weird face with no eyelids, no lips, and oh, it was all burnt god, and yeah. stuff like this. Laughing at us. And that was linked to when uh, what you found out about this guy that his house had burnt down when people found out about his cult and That's all of it. this. Yeah. And uh, it turned out, you know, after a very, very, very long time that you guys that he was uh, that he did find the secret to immortality but he'd existed in just this weird sort of uh, pocket existence yeah and just to torment us wouldn't it yeah Yeah. it's like he was in limbo or something yeah Yeah. and he was tormenting you over and over again and he was getting uh, immense joy out of it yeah he loved it yeah absolutely Mm. loved it Mm -hmm. and he and uh yeah, and, and eventually, you guys were just getting uh, tortured over and over again. Mm. You were taking fatigue, you were taking wounds, you were... Yeah. Um, you Every time we tried to exit, it would reset. It was yeah. tricky as hell. Yeah, and nobody could figure out what it was. Mm. And then suddenly, uh, Ryan comes out with, um, you know, he's loving this. If we just give up and we just pretend that, um, that, that, that we, don't, we don't give a fuck... Then he, won't. he might get bored and that's what you did mm-hmm. and then for, for it took like um, a couple of weeks of in-game uh-huh. time but you guys just sat there not, pretending not to give a fuck and then eventually the guy just gave up mm-hmm. and then he couldn't feed off you anymore and the fucking thing died Mildred, and that was yeah, it yeah, yeah. yeah. we've done it so yeah, we're like sitting there like taking our punishments so Ryan's character is like getting fed poison meat and James's character is getting like stabbed uh, in the back repeatedly in the back yeah and we're just sitting there taking it like, yeah like, like men isn't it like yeah. champs yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you're just pretending that you don't care, and that yeah. was, that was it. It was really, it was really cool, really cool way to end it. Yeah, and it was wicked, and it was unusual, and I was, I was generally stumped at the beginning, and I felt a little bit like, oh my god, what? You know, this is the first time I've been playing a game where I'm, I'm generally haven't got a clue what's going on, and yeah, uh, yeah it was good. It was a little bit of a mind melter, but oh, I liked it. So, I didn't, I had no idea what to do in that no. situation. So when Ryan piped up with that, with yeah, that, that really it well. turned out to be right, yeah. and I was like, oh thank god, savage. Nick, you played a game called Fiasco with I did, your family. Mate. Yes, Ooh. I uh, playtested Fiasco for the first time. I picked it up at DragonCon and uh, I played it with my family, uh, my wife and uh, my wife's sister and husband. And it was brilliant, mate. It's very, very good. It's it's very different to your your conventional RPG in so much as there's no GM. It's a collaborative storytelling game. Oh, okay. Um, there's no rolling for actions or anything. You just basically set a scene 
Uh, each person gets a turn. Their character's in the spotlight. They either choose whether to set up the scene themselves, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the people decide how it turns out for them. Or you can ask for the rest of the team to set up the scene for you, and mm-hmm. then you decide the outcome. Okay. Uh, that's basically the the bones of it. And we did a um, London gangster one. Uh, we set it in Croydon. Uh, we had some little hoodies in there. My wife's name was Ronnie Two Shanks. Uh, Barry's character was called um, Lance Evening Star. Um, I can't quite remember, but uh, my character was. Um, Letitia uh, I think her name was and I can't quite remember the other one but basically what we had was we had uh, it was almost like um you know, like a talent show, America's mm-hmm. Got Talent or something something like that, whereas one of my my character was jilted by Lance Evening Star, who was a judge on the show. Um, and basically she got ridiculed my character got ridiculed and got made into a laughing stock. Um and then loads of connecting things but the overarching thing was a drug deal and the funny thing was there was actually no drugs involved in this drug deal because Lance wanted to buy drugs off of someone so he asked one of our characters to get it mm-hmm. but then one of our characters then one asked another character to get it and there was actually they were meant to be buying the drugs off of each other so there was no drug deal there was no drugs in this drug deal but none of them knew it and there was someone got murdered something else happened there was a shoot up in a strip club it was fantastic and uh, yeah I couldn't recommend it enough very good fun that sounds, sounds like really a, good yeah. um, so hopefully we'll get to play that again soon because yes. that sounds wicked because you've been going fun. on about that a lot and I, I really hope you get the chance to play it but yeah. I'm, I'm certain that we will because sometimes we play the odd one shot here and there so hopefully it's good fun. yeah it's really good fun and it's like especially if you're a bit time limited I mean you can bash out uh, a game of fiasco about two and a half hours if do you reckon fast. you could play a longer game in it as well though, like yes. a four hour one yeah you can play a long one you could um, yeah I think yeah, you can also in the book it says that it's good it's nice to start a game of fiasco if you want to then convert that into a long running campaign with a different RPG rules but you could get almost like a primer of fiasco set up a situation and then that's a start for a campaign say in GURPS or something like that um, but no it's cracking it's Time. cracking so hopefully we get to give it a bash yeah that was going to be one of my questions actually is could this be adapted into a longer campaign absolutely yeah but it's, it's very good for making it's, it's, it's basically a um uh, what's it called? An so, improvisational game. It's basically an improvisation game, um, but it's very good for creativeness. So, yeah, absolutely. If you want to get some creative ideas for a story, play a game of Fiasco, get it written down, then port that over to a longer-running campaign in a different system, you're flying. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk briefly as well, because we're going to have um, Owen Lean on the show soon. Nice. Um, but I wanted to talk briefly about a LARP that I played. Um, because we're going to have him on the show soon but this was run by Owen Lean mm-hmm. but we're going to have him on soon to talk about how to do it and stuff like this nice. so um, we played a LARP using Savage Worlds right so um, for those that don't know LARP is a live action role play so you go you walk about and you be your character you dress up that kind of stuff right so we played um, Hell on Earth uh, Deadlands Hell on Earth right so I, I don't know much about this setting, so I'm going to tell it from what I know from what I played, okay? Mm-hmm. So he told us that it was um, the, it was kind of 80s, that kind of thing. But he said um, when we arrived, that if, as far as you know, it's the time that you are from. Okay, so I think that what it was was that there were people from different times there. Okay, Because cool. we, we were kind of like, there were certain people that were dressed in 80s fashion, mm-hmm. but there were certain people that were dressed in post-apocalyptic fashion because it was a post-apocalyptic game. Okay. Right. So I think there were certain people from different timelines and stuff like this mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Now, the whole thing was set in like a, a, a diner, a, an all-American diner, right? 
and uh, we, we went to London and he rented out the, this like uh, bottom floor of, of, of a pub that was kind of like a club type it was like thing. a disco yeah exactly <laughs> great. and we had music playing and yeah. stuff like this and it was fucking brilliant right and the way that the rules works because you don't you don't constantly roll right you just have stats for your character and you're not going to constantly roll unless you're coming up against NPCs and stuff like this okay. but Let's say, for example, you roll against another player. Hmm. Now, that's that's rarely going to happen. Most things are just role-played unless it's an absolute imperative that you need to roll against another player, like like it can't be solved in For an opposed roll. Proposing something exactly. or whatever, yeah. Now, you can't use persuade against another character and stuff like that because okay. that's bullshit. Of yeah. course you can't. Yeah. Like, like we don't in our table games. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, unless it's an NPC, um, mm-hmm. but you can't use it against another player is what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now... So if, if say for example I go up to your character Nick and yeah. I want to fucking shoot you in the face, well <laughs> yeah. then then okay you need to call over Owen because he's the organizer and say uh, yeah I want to shoot Nick in the face because he's what he's winding yeah. up. So then Owen comes over he's got his phone he's got the Savage Worlds dice roller because it's much quicker than get you know rolling dice on the floor yeah and he'll he'll roll for you okay that's pretty common a lot of people might notice and I'm probably retreading normal ground. Mm-hmm. So he'll do that. And that's basically how it worked. Now, the story kind of was that we all come in, on this into this diner. It's a wasteland, this kind of thing. And everyone has these little goals. Mm-hmm. So my character was a comedian who just survived throughout the wasteland um, because he had um, kind of survived through comedy. Right? right he yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. that capable at shooting. He wasn't that capable at this, that, and the other. But every time somebody put put a gun to his head, he would tell a joke. Crack a joke. And that was it. It's like the classic bullet it's kind of the classic bully at school kind of method. If you could, you know, don't get beaten up, try and either come across as crazy or crack some jokes. Right. And then they and, might go away. And then um, what happened was is while I was adventuring in the wasteland one time, I tried to steal off this guy who um uh then put a gun to my head and both of us were having the worst time of our lives and it was one of those if you don't uh, laugh you'll cry moments <laughs> yeah. and I cracked a joke and we both started laughing and we became best mates we now did. that was James's character right yeah and he was uh, he was a part of the band right and mm-hmm. uh, he so his goal was that he was looking to find his band members or start a new band right, right? and mine was that I had a mysterious black gem in my bag and I had to find out what it did now cool. I'll keep this as brief as I can, but essentially there were a lot of players there that wanted either wanted the black gem or knew what it fucking did. Right, okay. But I had to play it close to my chest because I knew that this thing was really powerful and I couldn't let it fall into the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. The second that that it was found out that I fucking had it, the whole place went into combat. The whole place. <laughs> Jesus. So this girl came up to me, right? This girl who could like turn invisible and all of this shit. Yeah. Um, turn uh, invisible? Yeah. So so she she uh, there's like a gesture that you do or something like this, right? Uh-huh. And then you you essentially have to role play that you can't see them. Right. So I I she comes up to us. We're having a conversation with this robot dude, right? Uh, one of the players, and essentially James and I were just fucking with him because we found it funny that we were talking to a robot. Because <laughs> our characters literally were like, we're not like the other characters. They were all awesome. They were cool. Their guns. They were capable. We were kind of like misfits, um, outs- misfits and outsider characters. We built our characters that okay. way. We did yeah, it on purpose. Yeah, it's fun though, isn't it? Yeah. And um, we were talking to this robot and we were kind of like <laughs> pleased to see a robot. And so we were just like, run diagnostics again. And he was like, running diagnostics, all clear. And we were like, do that again. And he's like, running diagnostics, all clear. And we we're like, do that again. And then, yeah, and we were kind of doing like fucking with this robot, dude. Yeah. And then this girl comes up and she's like, hey, I've heard about these gems. Has anyone seen one? And then James and I are like, uh, yeah, we need to go and get a drink. 
And then my character is like kind of Australian. We go over to the bar and I'm like, mate, we can't let... We gotta fucking isolate that girl and like fucking talk to her, mate. We can't just be fucking talking to to her in front of a fucking Robocop over there. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then um, she she so we wait till she's on her own and we're like, um, what do you know about the gems? And she goes like this and does this gesture. Sorry, I just said this on the radio. <laughs> she does this weird gesture. What Harrison's doing? He's putting his thumb on his forehead and almost doing the a mobile phone sign. Yeah, yeah like, like a, little, like a f- unicorn, like a little finger out, right? Yeah. And she points to my head and goes, "Mine read like this." Whoa. And then and then Owen has to come over. And she goes, I mind read. And I'm like, the thought is so on the surface, you're going to get it straight away. And so she goes, okay, I, I'm mind reading him. And I go, yeah, I've got a gem in my bag. And oh, she just boy. goes, okay. And she pulls out a gun. And what? then I, I pull out a knife. Oh, and then God. the whole, the whole, um, the whole, uh, like diner immediately looks over, sees us fighting. Apparently her brother and sister or something like this were over there. And they immediately join in the fight. Everyone else starts joining the fight. We all start wailing on each other. Everyone's going mental. Yeah. She turns invisible, steals my bag, runs across the no. um, runs across the diner. But I can see my bag floating. So I run across, <laughs> knife just in front of the bag, right, to try and stab her. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the, the whole bar. And then somebody reaches into my bag, steals the black gem out of it, right? Shit, not her. And, yeah, and that was, but essentially, the point I'm trying to make is at this point, everyone else in the diner was more capable than my character with this gem. They You're knew just an Aussie stand-up comedian. Right. They knew <laughs> they knew what it was. They yeah. knew what it did. And yeah. afterwards, this combat went on for ages. And then I shot my gun in the air and went, okay, can we just talk about this? Right? So then this sort of round-robin thing happened where all of us start, stood in a circle and the sheriff dude started talking about, like, okay, here's what it does, here's what it does. And, and everyone was talking about why they should have the gem. Yeah. And we, we were like, okay, whoever's holding the knife gets to talk. And that all, all broke down pretty quick as well. We all started arguing, right? <laughs> and then, words. yeah. And then, yeah. And then uh, my my only claim to it was I found it first. <laughs> well, yeah, finders keepers. Right. But but then you had these guys called the librarians who like knew shit. And then you had the robots that were more efficient, yeah. you know, things like this. And People my that could mind was, read and turn invisible. <laughs> right. And then you had all these guys that were just these like, you know, awesome McRad type characters. <laughs> yeah. And then you had me. Right, and I was just like, I fucking found it, mate. So it's mine, all right? Now fuck off. So kind of for the last (laughs) hour and a half of the game, I didn't really have much to do. You dig? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, because, yeah. And, and it's not—it's not like I don't think anyone did anything wrong. I just feel like they built these really capable characters. Mm-hmm. And what we tend to do in our table games is we built—we like to play flawed, flawed characters. characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went in there knowing that everyone was going to be the main characters. Uh-huh. And so what I kind of did at the end was I just wanted to sacrifice my character to help something out. So this guy, a storm started coming towards the um, uh, the diner. Yeah. And I thought, if I'm going to be kind of useless, I might as well just kill off my character. Oh, mate, go out in so a blaze what, of glory. So not necessarily a blaze of glory, more like a fart of crap. But what happened was, <laughs> is that this um, this guy sort of started doing this spell, and he, um, because this storm started coming towards the diner. Yeah. And this guy called, uh, he, he had a really weird name, so he just said, call me Rainbow Boy. Because... <laughs> No, he was awesome. Call me Rainbow Boy. He was wearing a, a rainbow suit. And he, Fair enough. And, uh, he, he was a mage, right? Nice. So he, he said, call me Rainbow Boy. And he, he said, he like, this storm started coming towards the bar. And he goes, um, okay, right, I'm going to cast a spell. And I go, I'm going to sacrifice myself to help the spell. So every round, Owen was like, right, we're going to need 50 successes. And I'm like, 
okay, I, um, I cut my wrist, sacrificing all my strength, and I'm just going to cut it into the spell. And then I went down to a D4, and I'm like, right, spirit. Okay, um, this time I'm just going to stab my head. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, I need to save all these people. Yeah. And then Owen's like, right, okay, so basically you see this like mangled mess on the floor turn into a giant golem. And I'm like... Was that you? Yeah, and I was like, okay, Jesus. what do I do? And then there's all these people outside the front of the diner. Yeah. So I, I basically crashed through the top of the diner punched the storm into the direction of all the capable people and that was basically it no, I was just like alright okay oh, it was a cool shit. ending but like yeah for a little while because I was just this idiot trying to find out what to do with a gem as soon as all the cool people found out what to do I was just like what am I going to do and me and James were just like should we get another beer serve no purpose yeah, 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 yeah. Much what it. about James's character did he have any spotlight moments yeah, um, well, he, because me and him sort of started two really big combats, that yeah. was kind of cool. Oh, God, yeah, biggest awesome. combat ever, wasn't it? I will say that I think a lot of the people there, and and I would agree, a lot of people there agreed that the combat was not why we were there. Right. And so it, it, we enjoyed that, yeah. and it was fucking brilliant, I'll be honest, but I think a lot of, there, there, it was sort of, uh, a lot of people there agreed that they were there for the role play. Yeah, man. And while mm. I, I, I would really, really say that the combat was fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. A lot of people just wanted to get back to the role play, and there were even people amongst it, even though it was an in-character zone. Yeah, people were saying, "Oh, can we just get back to the talking?" Do you know what oh, I mean? Okay. And, and so yeah. it was kind of like, yeah, it was a little bit of a mix because right. I was fucking loving it. I was like, I can't wait till my turn. And me and James were like whispering to each other. Yeah. And we, we was like, Oh, what are you gonna do? And he was, Especially I was like, LARP. I was like, Why don't you go around there and then yeah. you can shoot this guy in the hand and all nice, this stuff? And we was nice. like, Yeah, it was fucking cool, but like. Yeah, I, I loved it, but yeah, as I said, um, I think next time, uh, maybe... More rad required. Yeah, more rad required. You've gotcha. got to build your character in maybe a different way than yeah. you would in a table game. For Purposely for LARP. If exactly. You know I mean, you'd, you'd make it a little bit different for the fact that it's going into a LARP game rather than a normal tabletop game. To me, game. it was a room full of main characters. Gotcha. But Where, to be, to be wild fair, cards everywhere. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to be fair, it does sound like everyone sort of wanted to play a main character. So having you and James sort of playing the sort of secondary character sort of breaks up the flavour a little bit, doesn't it? I, I, I would agree with that. And, and you know, in, in for example, in the Gotham game, you know, that mm-hmm. we that we just went through, mm-hmm. when I, I purposefully played a shit character, yeah. Man-Man. Man-Man, oh, yeah. Right. You, you, I, I just, I, I sometimes like to play a little goon. If Do you I know what I mean? Yeah. Up, but then, I think I'd insist on flawed characters in but, some ways, because right. it does make it yeah, good. But I think that's how we create our characters as a group, though, is we create flawed characters. We don't I think, want anyone who's too OP, really. Yeah, but we? then I think that in, in, a, in a table game, when you have a set of five characters, the group is a main character. Mm-hmm. But right. then you have to remember, you've got a room full of 30 people yeah, it's not a it's not a story about a group. It's a it's a story uh, about a a setting of people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's why yeah. it's completely different. Everyone can be the main character because they everyone is the main character in their story. Absolutely, yeah. So I think yeah. that's why it's different, and it's it's not the same. So you ca- you absolutely can all be the main character. It's a really interesting dynamic, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. it's that's why it's different. So now let's get on to what you've been slaying with Batman. <laughs> No. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! Sorry. Yeah. Main. Subject. Main. Subject. <laughs> Sorry. This is the main subject, and today we are talking about Batman. 
Batman! Right, Batman himself is not an RPG, but the reason we're talking about this is because we just wrapped up a, uh, a Batman campaign. Now, this is obviously a very, very beloved property, and floating around on the internet, you will often see people um, say, how do I make the Joker, or how do I make the Batman in, in X, or whatever, in X um, system, or whatever. And I, I wanted to discuss with you guys, like, how to do um, Batman in a variety of different ways, how Peter did Batman, and, and things like this. Um, because, personally, the way Peter ended up doing his Batman campaign was not how I expected it, and it's a completely different flavour to how, um, you know, Tim Burton did it, to how Christopher Nolan did it, yeah. to how it's done in the comics. And yeah. I think that what it, what it opened my eyes to was that there's, that, that you, there's so many different ways to do a Gotham slash Batman campaign, and I think there'll be a very interesting uh, discussion. So, yeah, to kick things off, what we'll do is we'll go through how Peter, first of all, did his campaign, and uh, we'll talk about that, yeah. and then we'll get into like some other different techniques, and Nick and I will, will uh, talk about uh, how we would do it, and mm -hmm. things like this, and we've, we've come up with a few ideas. So, first off, Pete, describe your Batman campaign. So... Basically, the um, the story revolved around the fact that Batman had decided to retire and hang up his cape and cowl, um, but there was still crime in the city that needed dealing with, so he decided that he needed to bring in a team. He's very old, he's probably not got all his marbles really, has it? did he? No. You know, he was a bit, bit mad. Uh, yeah, he was the most batshit crazy Batman I've ever met, I was going to say, but I met, I met that many Batmans. But <laughs> I've met a few. <laughs> yeah. He's the most crazy, definitely. He was, he, yeah. he was nuts in, in a varying different manner of ways. Yeah. So yeah. that became obvious fairly quickly. He, yeah. he, um, uh, we've been through this on the podcast a little bit, but because this is the main subject, we'll go through it a little bit again. Yeah. He, um, he, he loved prostitutes, um, and he... <laughs> But he would he would kill them and then put them in a big net. Like his sense of justice had um had had long gone. Oh like, mate, yeah. He would drink. He'd kill prostitutes. Look he at he porn. did cocaine. He he Showing he pawned to minors. Bat pawn to minors. Yeah. Yeah. He he was he he was not the Batman we knew and loved. No. It, it could. It was like. It wasn't completely clear if he was always like this and kept it secret or uh -huh. or what, you know. No. Anyway, the, the way that I sort of played it was that f about forty years of crime fighting had sort of made him go a bit crazy. Nice. So, right. You know. Um. So I took a lot of um a lot of beloved elements from certain certain aspects. So I took the older Batman from uh, the Dark Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. Um. I. The essentially the one of the episodes that you guys played down in the Narrows was um, was a take on Batman Begins by Christopher Nolan. Oh, sweet, yeah. Um, so I'd I'd fused a lot of elements from there, and also a lot of the stuff like the Arkham section was mm -hmm. was pretty much ripped out straight out of Rocksteady's Arkham Asylum game. Cool. You even had um, um, uh, from, things from the Lego Batman movies, the cartoons. Like, like it was bit, bits from here and there, like yeah, whichever yeah. bits that you liked, I mean, it was in there. The thing mm -hmm. was is that I'm I'm a big Batman fan, always have been, and I um, I think that Batman has got such a rich history that you can actually delve into but you can also subvert that in your own way to make a campaign which I thought gave it a particular flavour. Right and people have been doing this for years I mean you look at the comics they always have different writers and things like this yeah. and people subvert it and then all the nerds get yeah. angry and they put it back to the way it was but the point yeah. is is that yeah, you. It, I think that's what makes it so fun to make a campaign. Of course, for. I wanted to go for a much darker, a lot grittier take on on Batman, sort of much akin to Frank Miller's style. Do you think that's how it ended up? Definitely. 
Um, I'm really happy with how it turned out, and um, I think there's a lot of other things that I could have done with it. There's a lot of other things I wish I would have done with it, but we'll go into that a little bit more later. So, because um, I, I was going to say, I think that in terms of darkness, I think that it had, it certainly had elements of that in there. Because, but I think I would describe it as a dark comedy, black comedy, yeah. Because uh, black yeah. comedy, yeah. Because because the thing is, is that yeah, you had you had a lot of dark elements in there that like it was it got pretty fucked up. But the thing is, is that like all of the dark elements were like a hundred percent of the time used for like like comedy I mean yeah. mm-hmm. uh, like I don't know if it was intentional like like that was your intention going in but like you had certain elements where it was just like like Batman had a co- basically a collection of prostitute skeletons and, <laughs> and like <laughs> <laughs> but like it was so fucking brilliant and yeah. uh, that, but the, the, like just the first mission where we were going through um, uh, Batman's house yeah uh, Bruce Wayne's house and then and then it and then we saw him on the bridge like this silhouette of Batman and stuff like this yeah and it was it was all dark and we were finding all of uh, all of Batman's dead relatives and stuff like this oh my and god it was, it was like a simulation wasn't it and yeah. it was all a simulation yeah. yeah it was fucking fantastic but then but then throughout the game like there were just there were, there were moments of, of sheer comedy like for example when when we 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 did, um, recovered a cache of guns right that that belonged to um, Deadshot and we we were like it wasn't okay. Deadshot it was Deathstroke Death Deathstroke Stroke. that's it yeah yeah and then we we sort of like got it all in a big box got Batman to come and pick it up in the Batwing and when we got it onto the uh, onto the plane we were like right Batman we recovered these guns and he just went no guns no guns <laughs> and he just and then he just fucking loosed them and as soon as he let them go you're like and you can see them dropping onto Arkham Asylum and it was just like I didn't tell you at the time that they dropped at Arkham Asylum but that was the setup for the next episode yeah we were like Batman you've just armed the city by teaching us a lesson yeah and he's like no guns (laughs) god damn it (laughs) I'm drunk (laughs) he's flying the plane while he's drunk (laughs) most of it's done by autopilot anyway to be fair and one of the darkest moments as well is when we decided to confront Batman for all of his um, uh, all of his misdemeanours and we decided to punch the fuck out of him on the plane because we knew we'd be distracted trying to fly it and we were beating the fuck out of him and as as we started punching him the plane's um, controls get knocked downwards a little bit and the plane starts flying ultra low altitude and we're just going through the city and there are people just getting mashed up churned up yeah it's just plowing through people as we're we're like on on the batwing just beating the fuck out of him and all the while the the front of the um Batwing is just being covered in like in body parts and oh, blood. Oh, yeah, and we're just like we've got to kill Batman before, and then and then we mm-hmm. we can write this. Like, yeah, um, yeah, it was it was it was beautiful. But um, so why did you choose Call of Cthulhu to play Batman? Um, there was two reasons mainly. I chose um, the Call of Cthulhu system was one because of my experience of the system. It was the system that I played first when I gotten back into role playing games. I mean, Sean had done a lot of a lot of one-shots and stuff like that, so I felt very familiar with the system. But also, um, it was the fact that with a lot of stuff that people don't seem to experience with, like a Batman campaign, is the fact that he is the world's greatest detective. And the investigation side of Call of Cthulhu really lends to that really well. Mm. So I wanted to incorporate a lot of that into that. Well, I heard a it put a very good way once by James Rolfe, uh, who said that... Uh, Batman uh, and Gotham is essentially the, uh, a noir crime thriller with a superhero in it. Yeah, exactly. And that—that's I think that's why why Call of Cthulhu works for it. Um, yeah. Did you have to make any alterations to I'm, this system to to make it work? Oh, I'm glad you asked actually, because yes, I did. 
Um, with the combat being a little bit chunky at times, it doesn't really lend to a very free-flowing combat system like Batman's known for. So I decided to add, as well as, obviously I have the dodge um, in there, which is half your decks. I decided to add the parry mechanic, meaning that if you scored half of your dodge, you would instantly get a parry and an, an instant counter-attack. Yeah, so you if you wanted to do, yeah we put in the bat dodge um, to sort of keep it close to the like Arkham Asylum games. Yeah. So if you were hitting in melee range, um, you would always roll dodge, mm-hmm. and if you if you managed to parry an attack, so if you if you rolled half your dodge, then you would get an opportunity to attack. Mm-hmm. Now this could result in people constantly just parrying each other's blows and getting into a big melee slap yeah. fight. But that was kind of fun. It never actually yeah. really happened. It would happen a couple of times yeah, where I you might have punch punch like uh-huh. that, people getting into like a big fight with each other. But that was that was kind of fun. Yeah. It did happen once where some where an NPC character and one of the player characters did actually sort of trade blows for a little bit. For I think it was over like four turns. <laughs> so they were just it was like all right, attack, yeah, parry, counter attack. Parry, mm. counterattack, parry. But that that I think it lends itself to that kind of thing because you often yeah. see in um in in Batman things uh, when he's fighting, you see them trading blows like that. Yeah, there's no yeah, there's no quick like oh he pulls a gun and that's it. It's with Batman, it's long uh, martial art fighting kind of you know blocking and punching and counter punching a big old a big old brawl. So it works for that really exactly. well for that I think. Yeah. Right, and uh, so did you do you think it worked well in terms of helping you build the Batman game? Uh, what the parry mechanic, or just generally like the Call of Cthulhu? Material. Yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, there was a lot of the fantastical elements, like having Killer Croc in there. I sort of used a Mythos character for that. So, what do you think that um, Call of Cthulhu did well in terms of helping you create this campaign? Definitely, I'd say the investigation side of it. It's got so many great investigation mechanics. Um, it's got a lot of the fantastical dark elements to it, which lends itself very nicely to the um, the noir setting. Did you strip the magic out, Pete? I can't remember. No, no was there was there, a magic character in there. Oh, of course there was. Yes, oh, yeah, sorry. Magic yep. character. Yep. At one point, oh, yeah. um, at one point, I did consider putting a lot more magic oh, hat, in there yeah. by having um, someone like Russell Gull in there. Okay. But, um, never really got round to doing that. To be fair. Part two, mate. Part two. Who knows? Yeah. We, we could go from there, but yeah, I, I think it worked out really well actually using Call of Duty. Nice fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what do you think it did badly? Oh, the system. It's. Like I said, it's chunky in combat, uh-huh. so I might use a bit more of a free-flowing combat system next time. I might use Savage Worlds for that, because mm-hmm. at the time I was considering using Savage Worlds, because it was the second system I'd sort of done a lot with, yep. played a lot of games with, and I love the combat in that game, but sometimes the investigation is not as solid. Well, the thing about investigation in um, Call of Cthulhu, the the reason it works is because it allows you to specialise in certain areas of investigation. Yeah. Mm. Now, uh, the reason it doesn't work in other games is because, okay, yeah, you do investigation, you use specific knowledge and things like this, right? But players in- inevitably don't do it, right? They'll put points in investigation specifically, yeah. right? And then they'll go, oh, good, it's- it works for every single general type of investigation, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> it's good because then if you have a-, a varied campaign in Savage Worlds, you know, you can have an investigation episode, a combat episode, things like this. Yeah. But for a game that revolves a lot about investigation... Uh, doesn't work. No, it, yeah, it doesn't. Exactly. It doesn't because it, because you need a lot of different skills. Because then, when it's time for the anthropology guy to come in or the psychology guy to come in, uh-huh. 
cool. And then you've got the guy who who's good at spotting uh, spotting things. You know, mm, yeah. the guy with the magnifying glass comes in, the Sherlock Holmes type. You know, library and, use. Yeah, the, 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 the guy that's yeah. the yeah. guy that hangs around in the library. You yeah, know, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Point is, you've got specialized different guys uh-huh. for all the stuff. You can't have one guy that's a jack of all trades in Call of Cthulhu. You can't. No. Um, and that that's why that's why it works. Um, yeah. uh, okay, so. If if you were to start over and do this all from the beginning, um, and and do like let's say for example you started and you you have all the knowledge you have now and you mm-hmm. went right back to the beginning and did this all from the beginning, would, is there anything you do differently? The only thing that I might do differently this time around is not make it as obvious that Batman was fucking batshit crazy. Okay. Right. Okay, I thought that was one of the more fun elements mm, of the it, campaign. It was great. It's just obviously it's set up pretty early on that he was going to be the main antagonist of the whole thing. And you guys, I think figured around out episode two or three, sort of figured out that he was a problem and he needs to get be getting rid of, basically. But I hear a lot of newbie DMs get annoyed that the not not annoyed, like wrong word, but get get um frustrated that perhaps the players figured out the uh, figured out the ending before the before the DM wanted to yeah. but you have to remember from a player standpoint they feel like geniuses when it yeah. happens yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, the I... fact that we figured it out before you wanted us to um, that's a great reward for us yeah, we, we, like, we loved yeah. it and it, it resulted in one of the best combats I've ever had in a game yeah, so, I... so you have to remember that you've done your job there yeah. because the fact is is that we figured out that Batman was evil and that he needed to be stopped and then we came up with a plan to fucking beat the shit out of him on a plane while it was mowing people down through Gotham and then cover it up and make it look like a, a, a suicide or... yeah, no we made it look like a terrorist that attack that was it terrorist yeah. attack yeah exactly <laughs> yeah like... And, and like that that's the thing Pete is that it doesn't necessarily matter that it didn't go the way you wanted it to what you have to remember is that it ended it ended fucking great and what we yeah. took away from okay, it yeah. may, maybe you could have done it in a more subtle way but I don't think your campaign was uh, necessarily about subtlety um, and some of the best no. comedy was the banter between Batman and the party yeah, yeah when, I, I yeah, definitely agree. When when we were fucking telling him he was being a dick and he would just punch somebody in the face, <laughs> like, <laughs> that was genius. Like, we interrogated the sword. Batman was on, oh, was on board with that. You know what I mean? I don't. I, I actually don't remember how it became a thing that you were interrogating a sword because there was a sword. The, the oh, sword was, was the only sword, lead we it? had, and it was our biggest clue. And we couldn't get any information about this sword. We had to look online, and we we didn't. We went, and it was still a bit stuck. And in the end, we found this sword, and it was like. The sword knows. Let's ask the sword. Yeah, because we found out that somebody was killing people yeah. with, with a with a sword that was possessed and uh-huh. it was talking, right? And we got hold of another sword that belonged to that same team. And yep. we 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 were fucking beating the shit out of a sword <laughs> for information. And, and we thought we were beating the shit out of it for so long we didn't realise we thought that we maybe had one of the swords that wouldn't talk. And yep. we were fucking and then there was a point where Man Man he, he no it wasn't Man Man, it was um King Wee Wee, one of my other characters. Yep. He he got a blowtorch and held it up to the sword and then Peter was like, You hear the sword suddenly go, Don't <laughs> yeah, we like, like, knew it. Yes, we knew it. Talking sword. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. So shit. good. Yeah, it was like every time you were like, "I want to ask it something." It's like roll investigation then, or roll roll this, and he was like, "He says nothing. He says nothing." <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, I I personally think that I think Call of Cthulhu um, again as a as a noir crime thriller. Yeah, because that's essentially what Batman is. It but it has combat and a superhero in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and for anyone arguing, Batman is a superhero. His superpower is money, yeah, uh, infinite money. But yeah. basically, that's what it is, right? I think Call of Cthulhu works spectacularly for that. I think the highlights of the campaign were when um, 
when we were doing role play and when we were doing investigation. I think yeah, the combat yeah. was was actually really surprisingly good. And mm-hmm. that's not that's not me having a go at you, Pete. What I'm saying no, is, is the that system itself is quite it's chunky. Shit, it's, it's shit for combat. Like essentially, that's what it is. It's, yeah. it's what it does the worst. And uh-huh. that's why I'm saying like. I don't think that I think that's its weakest point. Like, if if I was to do a post mortem on the campaign, I was so surprised at how much fun I had in the combat. Um, but the problem, the biggest problem I have with Call of Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu is initiative. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate the way it works in that because in a game that's like sometimes you want your character to have the edge, even if you're a slow guy. Yeah. Um, what I hated about it was whenever I built characters in that game, I knew to like. Because you, you, one thing you changed was so that people wouldn't min max uh-huh. and um, uh, things like this. You made sure that everyone had the exact same amount of points to spend in skills, yeah. right? But that meant that people would, could min max in other ways, right? Mm-hmm. So your dump stat inevitably would be intelligence and education, yeah. Because um, usually intelligence and education determines how how many points you have in uh, to spend in skills, yeah. right? Though, th- and those will inevitably become your most important uh, skills. Um, reason being is because uh, that your most important attributes I should say the reason being is because you're you then those determine how, how many skills you get because you're usually playing smart educated investigators yeah in exactly yeah yeah hmm. Whereas this time they didn't matter. We rarely rolled them because uh, because you, um, you you just didn't, and you always got the same amount of skill points. So uh-huh. I would inevitably dump stat education and intelligence. And Man Man, in fact, was really fucking stupid. Yeah. But he was skinny and agile because he was used to running for the bus. So yeah. I put everything in uh, in decks because I knew the amount of combat that we were doing would mean that every time that combat happened, uh, initiative was whoever's got the highest decks goes first. Exactly. Yeah. No rolling. It doesn't, and and that's not what initiative. Initiative is so you know initiative- you've pretty much got an idea of your turn order before you've even played the game. Exactly. Yeah. And initiative isn't who's the fastest. It can be who thought the first as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because even if you're slow, you might have thought first. Yeah. So you might think. Oh shit! I need to do this, even if you're a slow stuff. guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And that's not what initiative is, and that's part of the reason I fucking hate the initiative in, yeah. in that. In um, I do as well in Call of Cthulhu, and I think that sometimes, right, you might have a beefcake think to do something first, and that's what I don't like about it. And it meant that in that game, that's what that's the only problem I, I really had with like system wise in that campaign yeah. because I would inevitably dump that education and intelligence and put everything in decks because I knew that okay I don't want to die I yeah. have to go first and I'll get the quicker go decks, yeah. yeah right and and it's like it's not even me being like a min maxi type player because I made flawed characters but it's just I I totally I had two characters that died because I didn't max, yeah. max decks yeah. it's a weak it's a weak link in the whole Cthulhu yeah. system considering how good Cthulhu is right yeah. no but then usually when you're playing it if you're in combat yeah. you're kind of doing something wrong yeah yeah right? true so, so yeah usually, usually it works and if you play if you play it by the book i was talking to sean about this um who's a big call of cthulhu guy usually if you play it by the book and you roll for your stats and you do um education and intelligence and you put and you know you put those as your skills and kind of 
it kind of works because if you're if you're trying to get out of combat, you're doing it right. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it kind of works, but um, yeah, I don't know. In in this case, it was a combat heavy game, and I knew that I had to put shit in decks because otherwise I would fucking die. Yeah. yeah. Because the pirate, my first character, and King Wee Wee died because I didn't max out decks. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I I took like five attacks and, and that was died. it. Gone. Yeah. 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 And and it was like same thing. Me and James when I got in a fight with another character with the pirate, my first character. He had a higher deck than me. He punched me. I died. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Nick, how about you? Um, is there any uh, particular things that about about the system that you you think that um, did it particularly well or, or bad? I liked how sanity um, was put into a Batman game. If you know what I mean, um, it was interesting because normally it's like you know you see unearthly or otherworldly creatures in Cthulhu and you take a sanity yeah. check. But then obviously there's not too much of that in the Batman game. It was more real real people or yeah. superhero villains not so much evil monsters from other dimensions no. but we still had the sanity checks I think it really suited the game yeah, as well because absolutely. it's a dark setting yep. yeah the thing was is that you guys were newbie superheroes so yes. you would have seen a lot of stuff that you wouldn't have seen before like mm-hmm. dead bodies mangled corpses and yeah totally rock. yeah Dead prostitutes, you yeah, know. Yeah, too many dead prostitutes. For mm. Christ's sakes! I loved it how um, there was there was constant moments where James kept on taking sanity loss, right? And he kept on getting really bitter about it and kept on trying to get other people to take it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you remember? Like, yeah, yeah. He, he, he'd see a dead body and then he'd be like, he'd be like, but everyone else has got a su- look at that sanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he'd see he'd see a dead body and then he'd be like, I just took sanity loss. How come he ain't? And then Peter's like, because he's used to it. He's seen before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <was> so funny. <laughs> Hopefully that gives listeners a good picture of how to build a type of a Batman campaign in Call of Cthulhu, mm. how it works, how it doesn't work. Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into a couple of other ways to do it. Um, just before um, we do, um, uh, I wanted to specify that there are a million ways. There's, there's so many ways to do a Batman campaign. This is just going to be like sort of Nick and I's uh, ways to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And Peter, obviously, you can chime in your opinions yep. and stuff like this. We are fully aware that there are some uh, specific um, superhero ways to do this. The best one, obviously, is going to be the um, you know the Marvel superheroes one, which a lot of people really like. You know, mm-hmm. face rip that type of thing. Mm-hmm. However, uh, Nick and I are not familiar with that, so we're probably uh, I, I'm not going to mention it and things like this. This is just going to be our ways, the ways that we know. Yeah. So bear bear that in mind. So so first off, I'll, I'll kick this off. Um, my first choice is going to be GURPS. Right. Okay. Why is that? Well, I know it's a bit of a cop out, right? Because I'm using an open system, right? But I've got a more wacky one for my second one, right? So, okay. bear with me for this one. The reason I went for for GURPS for Batman um, is because it's got many skills in it, right? So we talked about um, with Call of Cthulhu the fact that it's got loads of skills and that sort of lends itself to an investigative game. Mm. Now GURPS has got fuck loads. Do you remember looking in the back? how many fucking skills it's got in there. Oh my God. So it's yeah. got like shitloads of knowledge endless. skills, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then it's got shitloads of um, actual like doing skills as yeah. well, right? It's It's got an absolute wealth of skills in there and I think that's part of the reason that I wanted to go to it because the, the amount of characters that you can build in that, right, is ridiculous in the amount of skills, right? So that makes it a good investigative game, right? Yeah. And it's got solid combat as well. Mm-hmm. It's deadly, oh God, like Cthulhu, yeah. but um, it's actually got really good combat. It's got a good uh, initiative system. It's got good uh, fatigue in there. It's mm-hmm. got rules for sanity. It's got rules for pretty much everything. But the combat is fucking brilliant in, yeah. in GURPS. And oh, yeah. additionally, I think that it has a really good varying power level system. So um, the way this works is that you have it's a point buy system. So you buy you you can spend points to to make a character and 
you you buy everything from your um, your attributes to your skills to your advantages and disadvantages to uh, your um, starting gear to everything right so this means that um, if you're playing a pretty normal character you usually start with between 100 to 200 mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. our game for normal characters we did 125 which yeah. I think is like the sweet spot for a, a normal dude right mm-hmm. okay a fairly capable normal dude. So you'd now, say for something like the Batman one, you would use 200 if you're doing like superpowers? Uh, maybe, maybe. And I'll get into this, right? Okay. But um, they say for superpowers, go for 400, right? Um, if you're if you're playing like, uh, you know, Wonder Woman type, like level type characters, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So my point is, is that you could do varying power levels easily in this campaign. So let's say, for instance, you're playing a Gotham game like we did, where you start off as budding superheroes, like yeah. kind of shitty ones. And you're just normal dudes. Start off with 150 or, mm-hmm. or to 200 power points, but then you meet characters like Wonder Woman, like uh, the Flash, things mm-hmm. like this. Give them 400 to 500 points, or if you're playing godly characters, you can even give them a thousand Superman, wow. for example. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So my point is, is that that's why the varying power levels really, really works, mm-hmm. and and it means that unlike Cthulhu, where everything caps out at 99 or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or 80 or whatever. You know, you can uh, you can make godly creatures automatic can. successes. Yeah, you they're much likely to to like still sometimes fail in this yeah. as well, which I really like. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought that 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 really works. But um, yeah, the the and whether you're still playing like an insignificant superhero or a godly one, the types of shit that you can make are insane. So what I did is I, I took a hundred twenty five point character uh-huh. and just tried to make. Um, like this most whacked out stupid shit that I possibly could in Kurtz, right? <laughs> yeah. So I've made a character, right, with 125 points and tried to make um, a, a superhero, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've made a sentient monster truck. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Not bad. Now, I didn't want to just take the stats for a vehicle and mm. just and just pour it over, right? So I've, s- I've tried to see, making the normal normal character creation rules in GURPS, if I could make a sentient monster truck. So his name's Carl Carson. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? And he's got, he's got like, 18 strength, which gives him 18 hit points, right? So I didn't even need to level up his hit points. The reason I did that was so that he would have a massive um, uh, regular attack, right? Because it has to be an innate attack. Right. Um, and I've given him an innate attack as well because he's got spikes, which gives him one, an extra one D impaling damage. So he's nice. got like a, he's like a spiky car. Yeah. He's got gigantism, um, which <laughs> yeah. gives him plus one to move. So he's quite fast oh, as well. Yeah. Leveled up his decks massively. He's got an odious habit, right? So to claw back some points as well. Yeah. So he's got minus one to reaction rolls because he's always farting out oil. <laughs> he's Fair got enough. damage damage resistance at the highest level that you can possibly buy it because he's a car. Because he's a right? car. Yeah. <laughs> He's got five uh, legal immunity as well. I, I bought all of that because yeah. he's a car, so he can't you can't arrest him. Can't arrest right? a car. Can't put yeah, handcuffs exactly. on a wheel, so can you? Yeah, because he, he, if he murders somebody, right, people have come along. They'll be, you did this. Well, it's, it's a car. car. Yeah, I do, is it? It's a car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people, car. Will tr- people will try and look for the owner of the car. They won't suspect <laughs> yeah. the car. That's what I was They'll just look about. in the car That's for him. Just... But... <laughs> yeah. I was um, just about to say that, really. You can't arrest a car. You arrest the person driving the car. Right, and they'll look inside. Nobody's in it. Yeah. Um, I've got the does not eat... Um, advantage <laughs> makes sense um, and disadvantages like I needed to claw a lot of points back right to mm-hmm. try and spend it in the skills because all of those advantages cost me a lot of points yeah so I got chronic depression he's depressed that he got turned into a car <laughs> and a disturbing voice so he speaks like this <laughs> right and disturbing so he's sort of like part night Rider part maniac kind of, kind of he's not necessarily a maniac he's just depressed and he's like I'm terribly sad 
somebody save me but I can't get it across because I have this horrible voice <laughs> and I didn't have I still didn't have a lot of points left over for skills but I managed to get quite a lot right because he's a crime fighting car so yeah. I, put, I got two points in detect lies two in diplomacy four in driving <laughs> Two in electronics repair. I don't know how he would do it, but I think he more tells other people how to do it. I love diplomacy. You could just picture two people arguing, and then this monster truck pulls up in the middle, and then all of a sudden they're hugging. He's like, "Can <laughs> we just talk about this?" Yeah. Um, just but weird. he does have minus one to reaction yeah. rolls, so it'd be harder for him. But that he tries. He tries. Um, he's got electronics repair, but as I said, I don't think that he would do the repair. He more he tells how people how to yeah, do it. Exactly. And mechanical repair, and he's got uh, six um, points in flying leap. So he can drive over chasms. Fair enough. Yeah, um, and that's it. That's Carl Carson. <laughs> nice. But that's that. That is that's the, a testament to the sort of shit you can make and go. And it works for, for making superheroes. I know that's I went for something stupid, but I'm just saying if you wanted to make something serious, if you could make that, if you can make a car that talks, then you can make anything. If you can make a depressed, spiky car that talks and and it's quite good at diplomacy. <laughs> that's my point. That that is that is the sort of shit, and that's that's basic girt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you even had the the like, the, I've got the Mecca book here. Uh-huh. I didn't even crack that open to make that. Wow! And that's okay. what I'm saying. Like, if you if, think about if you were doing a serious supers game, the sort of type of stuff you could make, I, I, I it's just ludicrous, mate. I, I think it's I think it's incredible. Yeah. It's a testament to how how great GURPS would be um, for a supers game because the, it's just ludicrous. Brilliant. Um, and Nick, how about you, man? So I uh, so our little brief was to have a think about some Batman Batman ideas and how we do them ourselves. So what I did was I went for. Um, four ideas that I like the idea of that could make a good Batman campaign okay. what I'm going to do you, I'm going to give you guys the brief of the game and you tell me what you think the best system is for it, okay. for it to work so this idea for Batman is it's a V for Vendetta style future where the good name of Batman has been destroyed and every petty criminal and street urchin wears a Batman mask and a sadistic mockery of Gotham's old hero mm. so what you've got is you've got like this kind of dark the Gotham Gotham's taken a really bad turn uh, Batman back in the day used to be the hero yeah. he's no longer missing um, and every criminal in a sick mockery of what Batman used to stand for now pretty much wears like a V for Vendetta bat butt but it's a Batman mask Yeah, taking out crime and stuff so you, you start off with this you know maybe the party are believers in Batman even to talk about Batman in Gotham is seen as bad or, or is, is not done so you're like part of the resistance exactly yeah. and bringing the name of Batman back to try and fight okay. the crime that's taken over Gotham. I really like that idea. Um, it's you, 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 the odds are against you from the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Um, but maybe I don't know. There's a secret resistance that still believes in yeah. Batman, um, and there's obviously you know there's going to be a lot of fighting, a lot of um, kind of uh, not so much investigation, more kind of I don't know. It could even be like. Um, uh, group battles, stuff like yeah. that, building a resistance. So I'd probably say you'd use Savage for that. Definitely Savage for that one. You reckon? Definitely. Yeah, because uh, I think I think if you're going to be doing a lot of fighting mm-hmm. and a lot of tactical battles and mm-hmm. things like this, I think that's what you have to go and for. And recruiting, yeah. um, things like that. Yeah. So I thought that might be quite cool. The thing that I sort of envisioned about it is you said that it was V for, Ven- v for Vendetta style. Style future. The, yeah, so... Mm-hmm. It could be that Batman is still there in hiding could somewhere. Be. Could be. And you yep. run across him somehow. So basically, Batman's yeah, Batman's whereabouts unknown. Batman's image destroyed. That's yep. basically the grounding for this game. Cool. And I oh. thought that could be fun. All right. So um, Nick, you said you had a couple more. So give us another yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, so the other one I thought of, which might be quite interesting, was um, alternative universe where Batman and Robin were actually test subjects, and their DNA has been spliced with actual animals. Think Gen Lab Alpha, Alpha for influence. So we're talking superheroes, but not just. Uh, uh, you know they've actually got they've, they're like mutants yeah 
if you know what I mean. So there's there's it's, more to there's more to them than just uh, you know. It's sort of splicing some of the whole yeah. X Men sort of style. Exactly. Thing so I reckon there. I reckon you could actually use General Alpha to do that. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. And Batman actually has got wings. <laughs> yeah. He is. <laughs> he is. So he's actually Batman. Yeah. I was actually <laughs> exactly. going to say he is an actual Batman. Yeah. Exactly. And then my last one was um, Young Batman, Teen-tastic adventure-style game, and then I would use Bubblegum Shoe for that, and it's like Young Batman. Oh, so like Teen Titans See, style. I was, I, that's what I was, I was almost thinking of something like that as and well. you could get more backstories of that, so you could do mm. things like, how did Joker become how he was? And then you could do a whole story where Joker was a kid and didn't go down that evil path. You know what you could do? If you wanted to go for a more comedy flair, yeah. you know when you, they used to do like Tom and Jerry kids and things uh-huh. like that? Exactly. You could yeah. do Batman High School. Yeah, right? exactly. And, yeah. and at, at school, Joker's the weird kid who's that's, always scrawling exact, on the desk with a compass. Exactly. And, yeah, Batman's the moody emo kid that always wants to wear a mask. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's specifically why I did mention Teen Titans Go on that one. So, mm. On what? It, well, well, that's what I said. Teen Titans Go was sort of similar to that, where they were all kids in high school. Oh, right. Okay. I call it Baby Batman, and I would use gum, uh, Bubblegum Shoe for that. I think what about Tales from the Loop as well? Or Tales from the Loop, yeah, exactly. That all right, great really ideas, well. man. Mm. Um, I, I've got another one as well and you have to hear me out with this one and oh, I have right. to have a bit of patience because this is a bit of a stupid one I don't know about stupid I think it's good it's a bit out there right Pathfinder what okay so here's how you got to do it right you create a normal medieval world right yeah where the best rarest fighters in the world are level 1 or 2 maximum okay now this does work now people that, that play a lot of Pathfinder or that are new to Pathfinder or, or perhaps you know don't know it that well are going to gonna think I'm a fucking idiot when I say that but if you're level 1 or 2 you are, for all intents and purposes, a well-trained, decent fighter, right? Okay. You are. Skilled. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The idea mm-hmm. is is that you've had to train for years to get to that point. Right. That, that is the way it's supposed to work, okay? You're not... Level one doesn't mean you're shit. Level one means you're better than most people. Okay. Yeah. Okay? So in a normal medieval world with no magic, a level one or two should mean you're the best of the fucking best, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this world, that's how it is, okay? So that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Now... That's uh, so. So, in a world with no magic, no clerical healing, okay. and a re- regular medieval life expectancies, most people don't even get to level three. They mm-hmm. just don't. It's really brutal. Yeah. Then enter our villains: a wizard, someone who breaks the long-established rules of the world. Okay. There's a rogue unleashing deadly fear toxins in in Gotham, known as the Scarecrow, Poison yeah. Ivy, a, a druid who can manipulate plants. Nice. Mister Freeze, a man who discovered the secret behind powerful ice magics, and lastly, the Jester, a bard who doesn't fuck about. He's part rogue, part bard, part gunslinger. He's a chaotic evil monster who makes explosives, toxins, and poisons who will stop at nothing to create chaos. Awesome. And as for the players, they could all be classes from the Pathfinder book and ascend to the ranks of the common folk of the world. Um, And that basically represents them having superpowers. Cool, yeah. So, like, most most people in the world are only level three, Uh and then all the players suddenly, like, so if if you get to, like, a level... Uh, four, five, you're, fighter. You're off the that means you're, yeah. you're you've got super strength. Yeah. If yeah. you if you're a wizard, that means that you've got magical powers akin to people like enchantress or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And um, that's basically how it works. So you've discovered the same abilities as the supervillains, and you're the superheroes. And now people are going to think you're 
like them. So okay, you need yeah. to, to then have a secret identity and you've become a superhero in this Pathfinder medieval back to world. the classic superhero yeah. formula. Right. Love it. So that's that's how that's how I've done it. So you need to basically keep yourself secret or you're going to be banished or killed. I like basically. it. And it's, it's a bit of an out, out there idea but I think it works. Yeah, I, I think, think it would work. I think it'd be fucking great. It's got legs man, definitely. Well I'm the like reason that. that I thought of it was because when I remember somebody talking about how they play a Batman style character in Pathfinder once before can't remember who it was. Oh, wow. But it was because they played a rogue, but the way they played it was that they essentially um, were an item-based rogue. Okay, so yeah. So all they did was essentially have... Uh, they bought... Um, you know, you can get those belts in Pathfinder. Like Batman's gadgets. Yeah. And all they did was nice. have um, alchemist fire, um, jars of poison, all types of that kind of shit, and they would just chuck it down. That's really cool. And they would have grappling hook and stuff like that. Yeah, it was yeah. Just a, it was basically a gadget-based rogue. Wicked. And, uh, yeah. Mm. And so, so I was thinking... That, that got me thinking about that, and I was just like, shit, how would I do... Yeah, Batman in Pathfinder. And I was like... I think we had to have like one really out there suggestion so that people know you can actually really do this in any setting. Mm-hmm. Totally. Gotham into fucking Pathfinder. Brilliant. Yeah, right. exactly. The setting itself of Gotham can be adapted into so many different things, I think. Well, it's we've just given sort it of like Pathfinder, an M- Savage Worlds. It's, yeah. it's essentially like every city in America, pretty much, with like crime and sort of stuff like that, isn't it? So Racist. Sort of- no, not exactly. <laughs> but it's just that it, it, essentially it's a corrupt city. Yeah. And you need to put some uh, big villains in there and have some have some dark heroes. That's what it needs. That's, yeah. That's the only ingredients you need. What you make of it from then onwards, do what you like. It's still Batman. Loose right. based on yeah. Batman. Right, exactly. Brilliant. Yeah, I like it. All right. Um, so um, that wraps it up. What I want to hear from the listeners, maybe next time, if you want to send us some uh, some ideas for how you would do a Batman campaign. Bat do? Give us a bat do. Yeah. And let us know. <laughs> well, you would bat do. What would you bat do? Yeah. Um, so, hope that helps out, listeners. Goodbye. Next Goodbye. up, we got an adventure call. Let's, set, let's get on with it. Oh, yes. I haven't had one of these for a while. I'm excited. Yeah, I am. In a land far beyond your imagining, adventure waits. And down beneath, you will find things that you never dreamed of seeing. Goblins, orcs, treasures, mountains of gold. Will you be brave enough to delve deep and beat the final boss of the dungeon? This is Adventure Calls, available for $49.99.99. Available at all good retailers. So we know prank calls are pathetic and we childish, know cheap comedy. Yeah, but they're funny. We're going to do one now because we like them. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I've been reading Ravenloft recently. Yeah, and uh, Janda, one of the main characters of the first book, right? You know. Of the novels, mm-hmm. he got trapped in like Ravenloft. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I was thinking, how would he get home? So I called a taxi what, company. Oh, no. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> oh god! Here we go. Good evening, Blue Arrow. Hello, my name is Janda Sunstar. I require a, a carriage. A carriage? Yes. Uh, and and it, uh, there needs to be post haste. Um, well. I, I'm glad you asked, actually, because um, I, I was out uh, wandering in, in Waterdeep, and a strange mist came along, and then suddenly I found myself in a place called Ravenloft. Do you know how to get here? Where? Ravenloft? No, I'm not familiar. You're going to have to explain that for me. 
Well, it's it's kind of um, uh, it's got, uh, some people call it the demi plane of dread. Um, it's it's hell, but not for me. Um, you see, there was this gentleman called Strad, and uh, he, he became a terrible uh, kind of being, and then his wife died, and so the these horrible gods who who lord over the demi plane of dread um, kind of torture him endlessly um, by keeping him alive and making him see the uh, the death of his wife over and over and over. Again, do you follow? And what can I do for you? (laughs) (laughs) And what can I do for you? Uh, I just require passage from Ravenloft back to Waterdeep, please. Have you got a postcode? Um, WD1. WD1. Yes. And then the rune for um, water. Pardon? And then the rune for water. I don't understand what you mean. The, the symbol, the rune for water, the elven rune for water. I don't have that symbol. Um, Have you a typewriter in front of you? Could you spell that for me? Uh, yes. No, you must send a carriage. There are skeletons here that walk. Oh dear. Skeletons here that walk. <laughs> Very good. That's a good one. Oh, can I have a postcode? Oh my god. Sorry, I haven't got to the end of that novel yet, but I think Jander's fucked. Yeah, I don't can't think get his garage. He's getting home. No, definitely not. Bravo. Very good. That's a great one. That's come back with a bang. Yeah. All right. Well, next up, we've got a chamber of challenges. Hell yeah. Hooray. Let's go. Woo Welcome to. The Chamber of Challenges. Chamber of Challenges. The Chamber of Challenges. Chamber of Challenges. The Chamber of Challenges. <laughs> Alright, um, so uh, who wants to go first? You've both got a challenge, right? Uh, I am indeed. Okay, so Nick. Nick, let's hear your one first. Okay, right. So okay. we're bringing it back, baby. We're bringing it back for 2018. We're going back to a classic, right? Oh, yeah. We're going Ooh. Dragon or Blagging. Yes, yeah, so we're doing Dragon or Blagging, and we are doing Shadowrun Dragon or Blagging this time round. Nice. So explain to the listeners what Dragon, so what Dragon or Blagging is, is uh, there's a question with four answers. One's the correct answer. The rest is bullshit. And uh, you guys got to work out which one is the real one. Nice. You ready? Yes. Okay, so, how how should we do this? Should we ask a question each, or are you both going to confer? No, no, me and Peter will try and figure out what the right one is. Okay, wicked. Right, first of all, which of these is the real Shadowrun weapon? Is it the Shoot It VX forward slash 789, the MZ88-1, the Predator 2, or the Avenger 8810? I know this one. I'm going with the MZ. I know it though. Go on. It's the Predator 2. Yeah, well, well done. Okay. Sorry, man. <laughs> well done. Well done. You know Shadowrun a bit too well. This is what I was thinking. So, yeah, but... sorry. But uh, this is Shadowrun 2nd, which I haven't played. And I've tried yet, to so... dig on, dig deep on somebody, so okay. we might get it. I might, get, I might catch you out, I might not. Okay, well done. One point. Uh, right, next question is In Shadowrun, the word whizworm is slang for what? <laughs> is it a junkie, 
<laughs> a dragon, a marrow, or a penis? What's a marrow? A marrow is like a like a, mate, a mermaid type critter. Oh right. Well, I reckon it's a junkie, right? Because whiz means cocaine, right? It does, yeah. But then they wouldn't have. They don't have coke. Do they have cocaine? Yeah, they do have cocaine in the book. I think they do. Yeah. Whizworm. Should we go for whizworm, Pete, or what do you think? Whiz dragon. Whizworm. No, because they wouldn't. Nobody would dare fuck off a dragon in Shadowrun. I don't know. Could sound like a penis. Would they have that in the book, though? Do you think? They have everything in Shadowrun, so maybe they'd poke me right in the eye with his whizworm. <laughs> That's one thing it would work. <laughs> All right, we're going penis. You're going penis, yep. are you? Incorrect. Sam, it's, it's a dragon. Really? Yes. Fuck off. It is indeed. Wow. Yep, whizworm is a slang word for dragon. In, Sag- in Shadowrun 2nd Edition, there's a whole page for slang. Okay. Sorry, uh, I'm nicking that. Um, oh, okay, so uh, nil point on that one. Next one. Name the real piece of cyberware from Shadowrun. Biometric regulation module, car key finder circuit HD, mm-hmm. data transmodule input system circuit, or crypto circuit HD. Mm-hmm. Get out of it. Get out of it. <laughs> I was just looking in the Shadow Tech book. <laughs> I'm going to go with C. Yeah, data module thingy. Data transmodule input system circuit. Yes. yes. That's bullshit, man. Damn it. I just made that up. Uh, it, it sounds really plausible. <laughs> I thought it might. Son of a bitch. It's a crypto circuit HD. Oh, what does okay. it do? Uh, I can't remember. I didn't read it. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. I'm just going through the uh, the cyberware. Great from my um, from my birthday present. Thank you very much. Yeah, don't worry about it. And no, I think it's Christmas, Christmas. present. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Next one. You ready? Yep. Okay. Name the real intrusion countermeasure or IC for short. Yeah. Shoot and loot. Yeah. Terminator. Yeah. Tar baby. Yeah. Or hold tight. Tar baby. What do you think? No. What do you think, Pete? So do you know what intrusion countermeasures are, Pete? Yeah. They're B- for, please um, explain. They're for hacking and hacking. Yeah. Okay. So um, it can't be a shoot and loot then, can it? Um, <sighs> shoot and loot. Terminator. Yeah. Tar baby. Or hold tight. I think. Hold I tight. think because they, they um, it might be tar baby because it's like trying to um, stop the person from moving through. Because the Matrix in Shadowrun is represented uh, um, by... If you remember that episode of Futurama where they go into the internet and they're running about and shit, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like that, but a little less flashy looking. The only thing that I would say is maybe be Terminator because there is, like, in computer programming software, there is a Terminator program, isn't there? I'm going to have to push you. All right, Terminator. Yep. Wrong. Damn it. Tar baby. Fuck! Fuck's sakes! Should go with your answers. You're more knowledgeable. Well done. Uh, Tar Baby is a grey ice, I believe. So you have white ice, grey ice, and black ice. Yes. Fuck. Yes. Makes Uh, sense. So, sorry, guys. And finally, last one. Name the two real critters from Shadowrun. Yeah. Face Biter, Eye Killer, Leashy, Rexion, or Feathered Reptilian. I reckon I'd probably go with the simple one here, because I think Mm -hmm. the the weird ones are going to be the ones that Nick made up. So I think we should probably go Feathered Reptilian. Yeah, I think so. And there's two in this one. You want them again? One more time? Yes, please. Face Biter, Eye Killer, Leashy, Rexion, or Feathered Reptilian? See, I think personally, right, I'm going to go deep on this one, but I think that personally, right, there's going to be, I think, Feathered Reptilian, then mm-hmm. the first two are very similar. So I think it's yeah. going to be one of the first two because Nick's tried to make one that sounds similar to the other one. Yeah. So I think it's Eye Killer and Feathered Reptilian. We'll go with that. One right. What's, what's the other one? The correct answers are Eye Killer and Leashy. Uh, so I was right with the with my prediction. I mm-hmm. just got the yeah. wrong one. You're well well done with the feathered reptilian. That was a little bit of a thing. There is actually a feathered. Uh, I think it's a feather. I think it's a feathered. Um, uh, what's the word for a snake? Snake. 
Oh, anyway, but it's very similar. I just changed it to reptilian rather than um, whatever the snake word. I can't remember now. But okay. well done, well done. You was nearly there. Mm. I don't know how many points you scored because we don't keep count. But that was dragon or dragon. Yeah, well, well, well done. Thank you very much, guys. Quiz, enjoyed that. Well done. Very good. Roll dice. Have full sexual intercourse. Play Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Do a butt sex. So, uh, my, my challenge is, um, this is inspired by the, um, the end of year discussion, you guys, and this is a little bit of shout out to Richard Walcott, because he's been best damn goblin game of the last two years so oh, hello. what I want you two to do is give me your 30 second elevator pitch that's going to beat his game for a goblin game oh, Jesus. what the hell man you've really dropped this on us wow oh, oh what Pete you okay right we need a bit of thinking time okay right we got we got a 30 seconds thinking time okay I got one Go for Harrison. Okay, um, mine's called Goblin Mum. All right. Go on. You're a Goblin Mum. Okay. Yep. You've uh, killed. You you you've gone through a portal. Okay, from a fantasy land. You come in on a family, right? And you see there is a there is a hardworking mum. She comes back from her office job. She she gets back from from uh, from before the whole arrested family, and uh, you you kill. Uh, the mum because you're a goblin okay. and you kill right but then you see the rest of the family come home right you quickly put on a dress and uh, and uh, or whatever she's wearing at the time and <laughs> bit, bit lippy bit lippy and um, you have to live out the, uh, the 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 family life without the family ever figuring out that goblin mum is not the previous mum you go to you go to her job you do the office job <laughs> oh my god right? you, you do all of this stuff and uh, and you have to live this life for as long as possible goblin mum a solo role playing game I just can't get this Brilliant. image out of my head now of um, you know Gremlins 2 when they yep. get spliced with like thing in there's that woman one that's got the lipstick and the little yeah. dress and stuff I just can't picture that now right. I get so that yeah. out of my head <laughs> Goblin Mum, a goblin solo role-playing game. Uh, also, there's the expansion. If you want to play more, uh, more uh, more family members are killed and you have to keep it up. Goblin nice. family. Yeah, there's Goblin Family as well. It's the expansion coming soon. I like okay. it. Uh, nice. I'm going to call my game the Upper Crust of Goblinia. <laughs> and uh, basically, <laughs> in this game, you play imps. Um, and goblins are actually seen as high society. And... Uh, um, and hated by imps because um, imps are lower in the pecking order uh, in yep. this world to goblins. And um, actually, in this world, it's turned on its head because the goblins are almost like the upper crust, the classy poshos in comparison mm-hmm. to the imps. And yeah, you don't like them too much, and you hate the goblins, and you play a bunch of angry imps. And so, what you have to get to the, you have to try and become a, a overthrow them. Yeah, yep. overthrow them and take over. Yeah. Okay, so okay. it's like Saga of the Imp Horde. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's the same game with the uh, serial numbers filed off. I like it. Nice. <laughs> well, if there's any one way to beat him, it's to nick the <laughs> idea. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at Fortnite. It's better than Battle Royale. Good. No, no, wait. Battle Royale. Pug Battle Royale. Yeah, yeah. True. Um. All right. So Pace that, that Pete. Woo, Pete. So who's, sweat away. <laughs> who's the winner? Um. We're gonna leave this to the listeners. All right. So who wins? Is it um upper crust of Goblinia or Goblin Mum? 
For me, Goblin Mum. <laughs> yeah, I would say Goblin Mum. I love it. All right, oh, cool. Nice, nice, nice challenge, Pete. In the future, you will be able to send a letter from anywhere on the planet. This is the future. This is the Electro Letter. This is Electro Letters, and we asked you for your tales of when you knew the GM was trying to fuck you over. We we got a lot of responses to this one. You yeah. guys you guys have had some, you know, we wanted you to share this, let it all out, you know. Yeah. We want we want we want to be your psychiatrist. Exactly. Yeah, we are we well, channel it out through us, you know what I mean? A bit of therapy for you today. <laughs> so first up we had one from Gaming Ronin. Not sure if this counts as screwing me over, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Many, many more years than I care to count. Years ago in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness game the GM kept making us fail at everything but his samurai rabbit NPC would run in and rescue us getting tired of it I turned on the NPC after he took something from my character long story short after a pitch battle with him staying just beyond my character's reach I followed the NPC through a portal he made where I was quickly surrounded by a hundred samurai rabbits that all looked the same with weapons drawn I got my books together and walked out after that I only GM'd for the next 28 years didn't sit at the table as a player again until a year and a half ago in my brother's 5e D&D game oh, he got burnt yeah he Jesus. was bloody upset by that <laughs> but then to be fair if I was surrounded by samurai rabbits then I'd be a bit upset too. Yeah, I, I know that definitely does count because the DM was like, "You're not killing my NPC." No. There's a hundred rabbits surrounding you, motherfucker. Yeah, what a prick. Oh, mate, it's like yeah, it's like it's an NPC. It's not a character, but it's my character. I'm the GM. That no. is that is a symptom of you know when the DM wants to play because you know sometimes you you want to get a group together but you have to be the DM but you really want to be yeah, the player. Yeah, yeah. But then your your NPC that's part of the party is probably the most influential one out of it because you want to be a character. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. That's that's you got to know that difference. You got to yeah. know that difference. If you're the GM, if you're the GM, you're the world. That's yeah. what you got to remember. You got to be an impartial weld yeah. not in person not a guy who's, who's doing all the cool stuff yeah, yeah. exactly I, n- I never felt like when I was DMing Batman that I ever wanted to be a part of that I just was having fun you guys creating this world with well that's how I feel I mean I don't know about you guys but what I enjoy the most is it's like you know when you're a GM it's like you know it's almost like you've got a fishing rod you sling it out behind over your GM screen and you just see what bites and then and the fun in that is seeing what the character the, the, you know your players give back to you not oh yeah, yeah I don't get punch the fish yeah, yeah. I'm a vegetarian yeah, you know exactly <laughs> but it's that's, and then you just and that's what I get the most uh, enjoyment out of is just yeah. literally keeping my mouth shut sometimes and just watching the role play unfold okay next one's in from Stephen Dragonspawn and he says I once played in a friend's cyberpunk game where my character died when another player shot mine we were role playing some tension between the characters and the GM did nothing to help my character survive, saying that the EMTs never made it in time to revive him. Found out later from another fellow player that said GM wanted me out of his game for some obscure reason that I still don't quite grasp, and had written an entire scenario to kill off my character, but never needed to use it since the other player shot me. Oh, that's what an arsehole, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Stevie. I don't. Get, I don't get why. Yeah, but then. Cool. You've got to be really upset to write a whole fucking story arc just to kill someone. <laughs> Yeah, in addition to Fuck. that, right, in, in our group, if a character dies, um, we'll just roll them up another one. Yeah, so yeah. presumably in, in Stefan's game, 
the GM was going to go, sorry, mate, your character dies. You have yeah, to leave the group. You're out, mate. <laughs> like, well, that's hard. I'll just make another character. No, no, no. One no, character. No, 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 no. Ah, you know, it's a paper issue. More out of paper. <laughs> yeah, I've got a paper. Sorry. It sounds like the Big Brother house Lost fucking dice. table games. Yeah. 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 Your so, character is dead. Please leave the house. So, can I roll up another character? No, no. No, oh, no dice, mate. Sorry. No dice, no paper, <laughs> no, paper, no ink. No sorry. See sheet. you later. <laughs> All right. Next up, uh, we got one from Patrick Greenlaw. He says, I was in an old school red box D&D game playing through the Isle of Dread. There were three players and the DM was running an NPC character. We were all level four characters. I was playing an elf. The DM was playing what he said was a new class in a supplement called Creature Crucible. Come to find out he was playing a werewolf character. The DM's character was level four as well, but had double the hit points and nearly three times the damage we could do. What? He kept throwing crap at us that only his character could handle. When we all bought silver daggers, he suddenly went off script and found us and, and we found ourselves at a den of werefolk, TPK. What? Oh, no way. When we asked basically what the hell, he just said, I didn't like that you were planning on killing my character. Oh. Just as a side note, we got the silver daggers because he would throw lycanthropes at us at every time. We wanted to be able to participate in the fights too. Fairly oh. enough. <laughs> so they weren't even planning to kill his character. But he just got the he just got the shakes because he's like, "What do you mean you're going to buy buy silver daggers? Silver oh, daggers? No, just well, I mean, silver, don't I? Well, I don't. <laughs> what a dick! Oh, oh, you motherfuckers buying yeah. no silver daggers? I better make sure I kill you off. That's yep. really annoying. What an ass. The next one is coming from Eli Kurtz. I don't think I've ever had a GM actively maliciously try to screw me or the party over, but two moments came close. Number one. In a dungeon crawl, the GM generated a puzzle room for us to solve, but there was absolutely no hints or tools available for us to solve the puzzle. We spent so much frustrating time in that room. After the session, the GM said the solution was for you all to try every option and still fail. I realise now it wasn't a good idea. Sorry. <laughs> so there was no answer. No, they could, they literally couldn't. It was an unsolvable puzzle. Oh. Yeah. And the second part of that is when I was in high school, a guy offered to run me through a one-player campaign so he could have material to write a novel afterwards. Sounds like your boss, Harrison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he offered me such in-character riches but said... He had a really strict plot in mind. Enough said. Am I right? So I, I, I was about to respond to this on Google+, and I was like, so what was the point in running the campaign? Did he just not know how to write dialogue? Is that it? Because if he had... I want to read you a story. If he already had a strict plot in mind, yeah. then why did he... What was the point in running the fucking game? It's not a game, is it? <laughs> I, de- <laughs> I definitely think he wanted to sort of take the interaction he had with this player and go, okay, this is my dialogue for my book. Yeah, Fine. pretty much. Uh, next one comes in from Richard Walcock. He says, How about a story from the GM perspective? I was running Necessary Evil, and one of the PCs kept turning invisible and wiping everyone out with ranged attacks. She conjured little black holes in the midst of the enemy. It was brutal. After the second or third time she used the tactic, some of the enemy troops started wearing thermal goggles so they could see her when she was invisible. In my defence, the enemy leaders were supposed to be smart and were known for adapting their tactics, particularly when fighting supers. The PCs were also pretty high profile and made no attempt to hide their powers. After the combat, I told the player she could wear a special suit to hide her body heat in the future so the enemy wouldn't be able to use the same tactic again. But it did turn into a bit of an arms race. The enemy would react to the PC's tactics and try 
try to come up with countermeasures for their next fight with varied degrees of success. I like that. Yeah, so to me, that I. sounds fair. That sounds fun and fair. Yeah, because yeah. I think that the I think that the enemies, if they're smart and they're fighting the same enemy, they will they be sh- adaptive. They should yeah, react. Of course. of course, they should. It's their job. If they're like military or you know, that's the, the tactics is yeah. their job. They've got to evolve. I don't are. think that. To me, that doesn't sound like the GM fucking over the player. No. That sounds like um, people fighting realistically. People would adapt to situations they would see, and if if these player characters are not uh, particularly brazen about showing their powers then obviously they're going to react to that precisely so mm-hmm. I, I don't think Richard's done anything wrong there. No, I think so. he's done mm-hmm. the right I thing I like that yeah I like what Rich's done there right next one we got in from Owen Lean um, it's, it's quite a long one but it's a good one so hear me out guys oh, so my first gaming group were the firm belief that the GM and players were enemies off to a bad start already yep. yeah <laughs> it was the GM's job to fuck the players any way he could it was thus the player's job to ignore the plot and spend the game trying to outwit the GM <laughs> get as much goob as they could and stockpile XP. This would usually end in arguments as the players, except myself, would get progressively more stoned. So we were playing Deadlands one time and we all rock up to a random town as we did at the beginning of every game. Being heroes in a western we would do what comes natural and head into the local saloon, which funnily enough looked exactly the same as every other saloon we'd been to. (laughs) as did the town for that matter. This was due to the GM only owning one map and refusing to create or even roughly draw any one of his own. So we enter the saloon and notice a bunch of buckaroos are sitting around an old table playing poker. So we go to get a drink and the saloon owner says they've been playing for days, ever since old whistling Pete Jim Bob Facebeard died (laughs) as the third victim of a string of mysterious and gruesome murders. I want to find out more about these murders, after all strange things appear afoot and surely this is of the most interest. However, before we leave one of the other characters asks the card sharps what they're playing for the gm thinks quickly and says uh he doesn't say but you notice a horseshoe on the wall immediately the huckster shouts detect arcana and rolls well the gm says that he notices the horseshoe glows magical the player then declares play a meeting and shoves us all out into the bathroom to talk without the gm hearing this happens a lot with this group (laughs) what the other players decided that clearly the horseshoe must be lucky and would give us an extra benny we had to get it Mm-hmm. The game thus turned into a three hour long attempt to get the horseshoe. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Completely ignoring the plot. They tried waiting the night to steal it, but the barman was apparently sleeping behind the counter and woke up whenever anyone entered, no matter what they rolled on stealth or otherwise. They tried fighting a mock duel outside, only for someone who had apparently been sleeping upstairs to come down to catch the character trying to steal the horseshoe the moment their hands were Oh, come on! Whatever plan the players tried to come up with, the GM had some random implausible thing to stop them no matter what. Now, it wasn't because he was trying to get them onto the plot, I was trying to pursue the plot, and he was pretty much ignoring me. He was doing it while laughing because as far as he was concerned that was his job and it was funny. It wasn't funny. It definitely isn't. Meanwhile, two of the other card players have mysteriously died in gruesome ways, but the PCs pay us no attention. Instead, they steal every horse in town, ride them into the wilderness, kill them all, (laughs) chop off their fucking feet, and take the horseshoes back into town, then throw them all in a big pile in the saloon in the hopes of knocking off the horseshoe on the wall and getting it lost into the mess of the shoes on the floor. (laughs) Genius. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, I like that. This, of course, doesn't work either. Fuck off. 
So without any other plan, the PCs, the PCs just go on a murder spree. They head into the saloon, guns blazing and war racks chopping for one player, kill the barman and the card players, and then when the noise brings the sheriff over, turn over the tables and begin a massive shootout. <laughs> in the end, they murdered everyone in the entire town, literally everyone, including women and children, because otherwise they'll grow up into a recurring villain to get revenge. Somewhere among the murdering, one of the NPCs yells, no, I'm the one doing the murdering, which the other players decided meant they had solved the plot. Fair enough. As the town burned and the bodies lined the street, the PC that had originally seen the horseshoe triumphantly took it off the wall. The GM then announced, congratulations, you have a horseshoe. Oh. The players asked what it gave them. The GM said nothing. The players said, but it's magical. The GM said, no it isn't. The players insisted it was magical when they looked before. The GM said, it isn't anymore. What? And then declared, actually, it was magical, but because of your evil deeds, it's now cursed. You all lose a Benny. <laughs> he found this hilarious and was unable to stop laughing for about five minutes. Arguments began, at which point I went home. Thankfully, shortly afterwards, I discovered that there were other people in the world who played role-playing games and left that group forever. Hooray, good for you, Owen. What a crock of shit. That is I would be furious I would, if that happened. I would be livid. I would be absolutely furious if that happened. That's ridiculous. I'd never go back to that group again. Because you've been really bad, it's now cursed. What? Oh, fuck you. Fuck that was just, it was just a dick move. It was out of world, Awful. wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a term that's not thrown around enough, but there's out of character, and then there's a GM acting out of world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And we've yeah, got yeah. our own Playing story. God. Yeah. We've got our own story about this that we're going to tell a bit later, aren't yeah. we? Um, but one of the things that I did was I put this out to Reddit, and uh, because that story was so long, we'll probably just pick a couple of these. Okay. Um, but, uh, Pete, if you want to read the one by Evil D. Evil D says, It's a long story and not... Not very compelling, so I will keep it short. Our party needed to stop a city from flooding. The GM's first part of the adventure required my character to use almost half of his magic to get into the entrance of a deep pit, which was guarded by two bro. Brew. Brew. Sorry. They're like goat, goat people. Okay. <laughs> Once at the bottom, I attacked from surprise, gluing the feet of the creatures to the ground and attacking its back. That's a really smart move. Yeah. Um, the first one I attacked blocked the attack. From behind him. No, oh, nice. Yeah. Once we were done arguing about the incident, my character ran away and flew back to the top of the pit. I told the rest of the party that I could not fly them all down, and there was not enough rope to lower the party, so we abandoned the adventure. Our GM took it personally and rage quit, <laughs> but not before he had stated that the nearby city was flooded, and other than what we had had on our back was ruined or underwater. We still refer to this event as a marker on the timeline of events in the world. The Great Flood of Pavis is still remembered <laughs> among our gaming group. <laughs> Years later, he gave his books to one of the players, and it was revealed that the notes for the adventure consisted of a single non-sensible sentence. That was his whole his whole campaign. Yeah, and his whole campaign consisted of trying to get the wizard to do everything uh, during the first five minutes of the game. And fucking everything. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Okay, so the next one from uh, is from Cartoon Lad. And he says, A player in my game left after his character, a dwarf, stepped outside and was actually struck by lightning because he didn't ask about the weather that morning. <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. Uh, you know, it struck the dwarf. Not the multi-story inn near the centre of town, any of the other buildings, iron fences or gates or any of the dozen of other people outside who were taller than four foot. You didn't ask if it was raining. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, if you don't ask what the weather's like, you get struck by lightning. Right. Know yeah. that. I've got to remember to ask about the weather That's every ridiculous. time I leave a building now. Right. Um, and we'll do one last one from Reddit. Uh, this guy called Fugitive Frequency comes in and he says, Very long story made very short. As a newbie player, I was asked to play a cleric in my new group. Never played one before, but I went through the Pantheon book and picked a new Death God. I get crappy rolls, but I dig spell casting, so I keep going with it. Bonus to the Death God is that he hates undead and provides major buffs when fighting undead. Didn't mean shit to me, but it turns out a DM was an undead fanatic. <laughs> so when I crush some heavies he throws at us, he demands that I nerf the bonuses what? because I'm ruining the game. Oh, shut up. Oh, I point God. out that I'm just playing with the rules I was given, but okay, fine. Next adventure, he says, forget it. Do what you gotta do. And we start. First encounter, we run into a poison cleric with archers who make his religion check, which began a pattern of my character's religion, making him a target in every single encounter. <laughs> with me getting dragged down to 2 HP right at the start and being unable to do anything except my he except heal myself and struggle to stay alive. <laughs> what? I tried to keep playing, but left shortly thereafter when it became clear that the pattern was specifically designed to make me quit. Side note, this was the same DM who targeted my fighters naturally rolled 18 strength back in AD&D 2nd edition with a vampire stat killer because I was too strong and made encounters no fun for his sadistic ass. Make the characters, make the fucking enemy stronger then. Jesus. Or make your encounters actually fun. Yeah. I mean the, the point is is that it's not all about like steamrolling. What you've got to do is maybe have something for the fighter to do over here while the other guys are doing something over here, you know, if 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 all your encounters are so easy that that um uh, the fighter can steamroll them, I mean, the fact of the matter is is that the fighter or or whatever the cleric, and if you're only fighting undead and you your your cleric is using turn undead constantly, why don't you have the fucking necromancer at yeah. the back oh, no, flinging some other spells, <laughs> yeah, you know? Exactly. And maybe the necromancer's got some bandit buddies that he hired because he's rich. Yeah. Fuck me, it's not that fucking hard. <laughs> this guy's a fucking moron. No, yeah. I like undead, so I only use undead. It, it um, sounds like a bit of an idiot GM, to be honest. Yeah, bad encounters. Um, though th we got loads more on the Reddit, and they they were they were really really actually uh, uh, immensely funny responses. But the dwarf getting struck by lightning for not asking what the weather was like. <laughs> That's, that's, that's beautiful that's definitely one of my favourites um, that's a class we had brilliant. two general questions as well we'll get to those but okay. first off we wanted to share a story didn't we yes because we've got a uh, a story about being being effed over by a GM and <laughs> um, uh, I think I think we've shared this on the podcast before yeah. but we've never got into specifics about it um now, Morgan, uh, one of our listeners, he told me about it, and we shared it during our GM Mistakes episode, oh, yes, actually, yes, which yeah. was one that you had Peter, Peter was on before. Yeah. Um, so, we want to tell the story about the arena and the genie, yeah. right? Now, I don't know if... Uh, we're going to tell this because James isn't here, and I don't know if he'll, he'll admit to this, but... Look, we're going to put it this way. When people are first-time GMs, they make mistakes. And I'm willing to bet every single person in all these Reddit things and all the people in, in these responses were either new, first-time... Mm -hmm. They're having a bad day. I made like loads this. of fuck-ups in my first oh, campaign. Mate, I, oh, my God. I said this to you on our group the other day, Nick, on our WhatsApp group. Mm -hmm. I said the, the, the fact of the matter is with those um, mistakes that people make, right... 
Um, you should have seen my first games. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't mistakes. It was unplayable. Okay, and I'm, t- I'm telling <laughs> that you that bad. <laughs> yeah, genuinely, I never. I never had a campaign that lasted more than three sessions. Wow. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm telling you, it was unplayably bad. None of my mates liked role playing games. You've come a long way since then. Then look I'm at Gerbs, you. like three quarters of a year. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> my point is, is that when I when I tell the story, I, I want. <laughs> pretty much people to be aware of that and when mm-hmm. people are sharing these stories that's that's what it's like yeah so uh you well we're both going to tell this story but yeah. the point is is that so it starts off we went into an arena right this was a little side quest that james had cooked up mm-hmm. we played a pathfinder game that was based on hannibal and it was all about investigation it was right? a modern time and it was modern wasn't it it had modern trappings to it so yeah. they had like these uh, magi batteries that would that, that mm-hmm. power things up cars. And we were part of like a forensic science crime team and stuff right exactly and there was technology in it but it was like magi technology mm-hmm. so you had things like cars telephones really cool. yeah like yeah that. yeah um, but imagine like magic punk it was kind of like that yeah 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 so uh, the kind of thing thing was is that uh, as a side quest to this we went to this arena right and there were two there were two things that I immediately noticed right first off right my character was a wizard and mm-hmm. I always always pick the sleep spell so the way it works Pete is in Pathfinder magic you it's not like Savage Worlds where you have spells and you have them permanently right yep. you pick your spells every morning when you wake up you inscribe them into your spell book and then you you have to sort of do that for an hour and then those are your spells for the day mm-hmm. okay and you use them up throughout the day yeah. you get one of those spells or, or three of those spells or whatever how many you've scribed you had to write you and I, oh, had okay. to, I was a druid so I had to meditate every morning pretty, or pray pray basically pretty to get my much. spells um, yeah. um, I really like that system it's magic cool, actually but like mm-hmm. pretty much 100% of the time I would put sleep in there 100% mm-hmm. of the time because it's handy people have to will save against it yeah. but I'm willing to take that gamble because if you put somebody to sleep and they're magic- magical sleep magical well. sleep yeah, you mate. can just wail on them until they're mm-hmm. dead yep. so we go to the arena first thing we have to fight is a griffin right which oh, is yeah. way over our power level because we're only level one right uh-huh. But we put that fucker to sleep, and then mm-hmm. with a staff and like whatever, we had we had this like arena uh, gear that was given to us, yeah, right? Yeah. And we start wailing on it, uh-huh. we kill it. Funnily enough, after that, every single monster we have to fight in the arena is immune to sleep. Weird, that isn't it? <laughs> right. Second, right then, like what happens is is we're walking out of the arena, Pete, and uh, yeah. victorious. Wow. Yeah, pretty, victorious. Pretty happy about yeah, yeah, pretty chuffed. We, we, we go to collect our prize money. We munt everything in the arena. We walk out. We walk and past J- the front James, desk. James asks us an important question. What does he say? Yeah, he said, uh, "Do you want to leave now? Are you no? Was it? Are you sure you want to leave? Something like that, anyway." Yeah, and we was like, "Yeah, yeah, cool. Of course we do." So we walk outside, and then you we're know, going to continue our quest. Going to continue our quest. I think someone was going to grab something out of their backpack, whatever. And then James says, oh, "You've left your stuff behind." Is that what? Huh? Yes. So we left it all in the arena. And because we say, what, what the fuck? And he, he, he's, he says to us, um, he goes, well, I asked you if you wanted to leave and you didn't say you picked up your stuff. Yeah, like, what? You, you would naturally pick your stuff up when you leave, though, wouldn't no, you? No, didn't say right. no. Yeah, and he goes, well, didn't say it, didn't do it. Yeah. And, and like, instantly, me, Sean and Nick, like, sure, Nick and I had, had a few drinks, we were a bit rowdy. He's like, what? Fuck yeah. it, all my gear's gone there. Yeah, weren't happy. Weren't oh, happy at all. Is this where our ruling of you say you done it has come in? Well, and he, he reversed it, but then okay. he goes, he goes, you didn't say it, you didn't do it. And we're like, well, all right, James. We'll we go had, back in and get our stuff. Yeah, and so we go we go back in and get our stuff. And he goes, well, legally, you left the arena, and it's now property of the arena. You've lost all of your stuff. Well, he's like, but it's right on the shelf behind the counter. Can we just not take it back? <laughs> we couldn't. No, that was it. It was gone. It was gone. So, all of our gear was gone. So, we came up with a plan. 
pretty much me and Nick and Sean, right? It was just the three of us. I'm a wizard, Nick's a druid, yep. Sean's a cleric, right? Uh-huh. Yep. So we go out to the arena and I say to the, these guys, right, I still have my spells. I can still cast those because my spell component is a magic ring, right? So I'm yep. still wearing that, thankfully. Yeah. So I go outside and I cast Flaming Hands on a bin. On outside. a bin, that's it. We set right? fire to oh, a bin. We set fire yep. to a bin, right? And you know like how if you don't ask for the weather, you get struck by lightning, <laughs> right? Apparently, if you set fire to a bin, a genie appears. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, mate. Right, so... A level fucking five genie appears and all the guards to the arena and we don't have our gear. No armor, no weapons, no fucking nothing. And James goes, a genie appears, right? Yeah, and James's face is like, he he, look, he knows that what he's trying to do, but he's he's pretending. Like, oh, okay. What he wants us to do is, is he's like, Go away, fuck off, you're not getting your stuff back. Submit, yeah. <laughs> We're like, nah, mate, we want our stuff. Yeah, yeah. Come hell or high water, we want our stuff back. How many sessions were you in at this point? This was one. Uh, two. That was two. That was two session two. Okay. We were still level one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We had to fly mm-hmm. a fucking genie. genie. Yeah. Jesus. And, goes, and we did. <laughs> no, and so what James did is he goes, he goes right, uh, guys. I'll be back in a sec. I'm going for a piss. And while he's having a piss, me, Sean, and Nick were like, we, he wants us, he wants us to leave, right, and get back. And, and, and so we we go, but we 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 have to get our stuff back. So we we start scheming, and we're like, we have to fight this fucking thing. We have yeah. got four guards in front of us, right? They've got to be at least level two, at yeah. least, right? Yeah. And then we got uh, we got a level five genie, right? This is an impossible fight, but there's no way. We we're gonna let them just take yeah, going out like that yeah 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 yeah, so, yeah so we stayed we fought and what happened is we used like the most most vile tactics tactics we could right yeah. we would get, grab a guy use him as a meat shield steal oh, his weapon yeah. we do everything we could right yeah and so what we did is we took out all the guards first uh-huh. right to make sure that we weren't taking five attacks per round then we um uh then we focused on the genie now mm-hmm. as soon as the genie was the last one left we saw James start reading the beast theory right then then the genie zips out of existence right and he goes uh-huh. the genie turns invisible yeah okay. We was like, what? What do you mean? And then he could still talk, right? Or something. I think he was winding us up or something. If I, could, I can't yeah. remember, but he was like behind us. or We didn't know where he was. He was invisible. Okay. But up to this point, right, the genie is pretty much immune to every spell that I have. So up to this point, my, my character was pretty much useless. Yeah. I think that was part of the reason he chose that enemy because he was immune to so many spells. Oh, mate, it was a tough fight. So um, now my character kind of had a purpose because we had two guys that were okay at hitting in, yep. in yep. Nick's character and Sean's character and my guy was useless but now this guy was invisible I start throwing dirt around right every round oh, that's it yes. I just started throwing dirt like a mad cunt and like try and get a silhouette of him yeah and, then, nice. and it worked pretty much every time uh-huh. and we beat the everlasting fuck out of this genie two rounds in the combat I went down Sean used um, uh, I think it was cure light wounds or healing yeah, or whatever oh my God, something yeah. like that but yeah. two rounds I went down two rounds I got back up uh-huh. and we, we healed we went down we were on like one two and two oh, hit points by the end somehow but, we had managed to get together some kind of explosive I can't remember how we had managed it but we it was it was some tactics and like all sorts was going yeah, on yeah there was an explosive I can't remember how we did it but the very, very last thing that, that we did is that Nick's um, filled his bag full of explosives. Yeah. And we managed to get fi- that he into filled the other our bag. It wouldn't have been your bag, but it was a bag. And yeah. I can't remember where we got it from, but we filled a bag that we got from somewhere. Might have been uh-huh. some people picnicking or something like this. Started a fire Do you, somewhere do you reckon you stole it off one of the guards or something? Can't really remember. It was something like this, but we threw it at the genie, exploded he it, it, didn't he? And then Dunny's invisibility and blew up. <laughs> yeah, and then blew up. And that and that was how that was like the final attack on the genie. Um, 
Oh, wow, I we honestly cheered. can't remember what it was, but yeah, we we really really fucked this we guy up. Proper cheered. Yeah. Like, yes. And so basically, essentially, what it was is that I think James sort of let's call it what it is. He was trying to he was trying to do us. Well, he <laughs> didn't want our stuff back. Yeah, he didn't want us to have our stuff back. He was trying to teach us a little bit of a lesson, and uh, we yeah we won an unwinnable fight. Yeah, we were so pleased with ourselves. We were battered. I can't even remember if we did actually get our stuff back. And I'm sorry to those that have heard this story twice, but this is sort of in a bit more detail. It's one of our most. It's one of our best battles ever. Yeah, because we wanted to tell it because James isn't here, and we sort of like yeah we wanted to sort of bring this story out. You could argue, well, why didn't James just put a second genie in there if he didn't want us to win? But I think that what it was is at the time. He he thought that we didn't know that he was trying to screw us. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did get our stuff back, but what happened was is we had to go into the arena whereupon more guards. Uh, oh, that's how. That's when that bit came about. Yeah, arrested specifically me, and you then took your clothes and then off. You guys, yeah, I took my clothes <laughs> that's off. That's where the train. Yeah, he started running around. But anyway, that's another story. That's another, for another story day. for another time. Yeah, but yeah. So that was one of our greatest victories. Um, but yeah, one got, of our greatest victories. We got two general questions come in. Jamie Pearson says, general question: How easy is it to use Call of Cthulhu 7th edition rules to play fantasy what are the general guidelines for making this conversion here's how um, well my brother has done this before mm-hmm. and he's um, done it really well to be he's fair. done it really well um, all he did I think was um, take stats for some of the weapons in the book and uh, change the names of them um, basically start up monsters uh, mm-hmm. do them yourself um, but what I would do easiest way download or buy BRP basic role playing and mm-hmm. uh, use the monsters from that book also use the powers but use the new rules for 7th edition because they're better mm-hmm. essentially because nice. BRP the combat's quite archaic um, although we've had said a few things that are bad about the combat for uh, COC 7th um, yeah just use the stats for the monsters from BRP and use the stats for the weapons from BRP and port those over to 7th yeah so, totally it's yeah. totally totally can totally be done and done pretty well there is a very very handy thing what you'll notice is the attributes don't work the same way they did in BRP there's a very handy conversion tool in COC 7th that you can use to convert BRP um, stats yeah, yeah. so use that and that's yeah. not just using the BRP that's also converting from 6th to 7th yeah as they well. got you covered man yeah exactly they got you covered so uh, yeah that is how I would do it piece of piss and mm-hmm. the powers are fucking great in BRP as well so mm-hmm. yeah okay and the uh, final general question that we had it's not on the document because we got it during the show oh, okay yep Owen Lean he just says why why it's, why, it's why? the most general question Love we've it. ever why? had why 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 not exactly <laughs> <laughs> there you go good answer take that one home yep take that to the bank and cash it <laughs> Yeah, thanks for coming along, Pete. It's been a pleasure yeah, to have you, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can. Why don't you drop us an email, which is tabletoptwats at gmail.com. Or you can uh, or you can t- contact us on Twitter, which mm-hmm. is at tabletoptwats. Yeah, or Facebook, which is uh, uh, ooh, tabletop Fa- tea. Yep. Tabletop tea. Or you can go over to G+, where we are at Tabletop Twats, or we're on a Nerds International Network also. Yep. Yep. But, of course, if you want to support the show, we are on Patreon, mm-hmm. which is forward slash tabletoptwats. Sling us a buck if you like what we do. Yes, please do. We are because we really appreciate it, and we recycle all that back into the show. So. We certainly do. Pete, you got anything you want to talk about, mate? You got anything show you want to promote? Um, any promotion? Uh, yeah, actually, me and um, Harrison's brother Sean have just started a new gaming history podcast oh, called yeah? Two Crew Dudes. The first episode is out now, and it is on the rise and fall of Street Fighter. Where can we find that, Pete, mate? Um, that is at the Two Crew Dudes 
on SoundCloud, but we've also got um, links for the Facebook, the Twitter on the SoundCloud page. So Fantastic. if you could give right. us a like and a follow, that'd be great. We'll Go put check a, it out. Uh, we'll put a link on the old description there. Mm-hmm. And one last plug, actually. We've got the uh, NerdCon coming. NivCon is on the horizon. Now tell the people when when that is. It's in March. Can't quite remember off the top of my head the actual date. Uh, we'll put a link in the description. We'll put a link in the description. But Nerd uh, International are running a convention, which yep. is going to be tight. Yep. So what kind, awesome. of, what kind of things can we expect from it? Loads. Online games. Loads of online games. We're all playing and running some stuff. I've got a couple of fiasco games on there. I think Harrison's running some uh, Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm running. Uh, I'm running Cthulhu Investigating in, in school. Nice. Investigation School. Mm-hmm. So that should be a good blast. And uh, yeah, get over, sign up, and we'll see you online in March for NIFCON. So that brings us to the end of another episode, and that oh. means that obviously we need to leave you with a uh, with a thought. You know, something to keep you going. Brain food. Exactly. Because what the hell are you going to do until the next episode, you know? You Not got, a lot. There's nothing to do. We looked out the outside of our window a minute ago, right? Didn't like it. Wasteland out there. <laughs> Absolute wasteland. It's just hell. Yep. So, um, you know, I've got to give you a thought, something to think about, something to, to mile over. So if a unicorn is a horse with a horn, is a horse without a horn a unicorn? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> All right, so and that leaves one final thing to be said: Chicken McBosh. Woo! Don't forget to check the weather when you leave your house, (laughs) especially if you're a dwarf. (laughs) 